Good morning to most, good afternoon to others, and good evening to our viewing audience across the pond. I am your host, Jason Miles, and welcome to another episode of This is Revolution Podcast. Before we start, if you're new to the channel, please hit like, please hit subscribe, and don't forget to hit that notification bell so you're loaded whenever we go live, because we're constantly adding new shows like tomorrow. We'll be doing a show with J.G. Michael. We'll be interviewing filmmaker Brian Yesna at the usual p.m. time, 6 p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. Central and 9 p.m. Eastern. That's going to be a fun show. We did have a great week of shows here, starting out with my interview with uh, prolific writer Corey Doctorow discussing his latest book, The Internet Con. Then we did something we usually don't uh, we don't do. We usually share this for the Champagne Room. We did a call-in show. We gave the listeners the floor and that was great i was actually really shocked about what you guys wanted to talk about when given the opportunity and we did decide that we're going to do something like that uh probably once a month it is a little costly on the phone budget we blew through the entire month's phone call-in budget on that show but i really feel it was worth it i'm sure some of you noticed that uh there was a different phone number because we lost we lost the last phone number so I, th I think we can keep this new one um also for those of you that don't know this is the saturday free show there's no bonus champagne room this is our way of, of allowing you guys to get a glimpse of what goes on beyond the velvet rope of the tir vip so if you're enjoying what we do here and you want to support make sure you like and subscribe share if you have the means Send a super chat. I will attempt to read it on air. I don't have MT with me, who is generally the reader of all super chats, but I feel like she knows when I'm by myself. And then she sends me little personal messages like, hey, super chat. Uh, all of us here at TIR would like to send a big thank you to all the subscribers on all platforms and patrons. Without you, we couldn't do this. So if you would like to have access to the champagne room, past and present, and be part of the live virtual audience for the Pascal Robert hosted Mau Mau Hour. Join us for movie night like we did last night. There's only one way. Become a patron for as little as $3 a month or $30 for the year. It can all be yours. Also, I was so shocked that people hadn't seen the movie that we watched last night. We watched Nightmare on Elm Street 3. You guys voted for it. It won. Um... Even Jeremy Salmon, who is the movie night director over here at TIR, he had never seen a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. I was like, you gotta be shitting me. <laughs> but we watched Nightmare 3, which is probably the best in the series. I'm actually a fan of a movie that came out. We're going to be talking about horror movies between the, the, the years of 1990 to 94 kind of in honor of a really cool documentary series that is just releasing their their latest uh, chapter. Uh, it's called Searching for Darkness, and they did three parts about the 80s. And um, they have one coming out that we were trying to be a part of, but the schedule is just too busy to try to submit stuff. Um, from 1990 to 94, and... I started looking back on those years and 
was was pretty shocked at what came out in those years and the way they look at horror is kind of the same way i look at horror where there's a lot of movies that maybe we don't um define them as horror especially something like silence of the lambs um i don't think jacob's ladder was definitely a horror movie uh, natural born killers uh california with brad pitt we're going to talk about all that stuff someone says frankenhooker in the chat and <laughs> i watched that movie i rented that movie way too many times you know I'm probably like a lot of people watching the show that are of it is I would definitely uh rent movies that I had no business renting and I definitely rented Frankenhooker a few times just because I thought it was the most insane thing ever um super crack which <laughs> Does anyone remember how she dies in the movie? How she becomes a corpse? A horrible lawn mowing accident. It's definitely a horror comedy of the silly slapstick variety um, that I don't think anyone would try to make in this current era. And maybe that's a good thing. But I definitely like that and the basket case movies. Can you guys see me? Let me know because I'm having some issues here on my end. It looks like the internet's going in and out. They're doing construction to the unit next door. So I'm really hoping they don't interfere with the internet as that's been one of the big issues here. Right now, we're literally just waiting for the guest to arrive. Um, in my mind, and Burgess has a bunch of papers in his hand. He's wearing the sport coat. And he's falling all over stairs and then the papers are all over the place. Like one of those uh, 80s movies. I hope that's not what's happening. Other than that, um, next week we do have some, some interesting shows going for next week. Um, we have the author of a book called Dying for Capitalism uh, coming on Tuesday. I haven't gotten into the book yet, but... Again, signs that this show is blowing up. A publicist hit me up to get the author on. And it's got some really interesting blurbs from people like Noam Chomsky um, saying it's one of the best books uh, of the last 10 years. So very excited to talk about that. And then we're going to be doing another Red Zone because Mac hasn't been on for a while. So we'll be doing a Red Zone Wednesday. I believe you guys will have Pascal back Thursday. I don't have the schedule in front of me. You guys are set. Some of this is Dead Alive. You know, I've never seen Dead Alive. It never seemed interesting to me. It didn't have cool box art. How many people rented movies or even bought albums because of the art? For me, it was all about box art. Chapter Black says the racial... I gotta put this on the screen. The racial elements of Candyman were weird as having this liberal white lady be who you emotionally sympathize with while black people who live in poverty are portrayed as superstitious and prejudiced. Again, we talked about Candyman the other night. We'll probably talk about Candyman a little bit today. 
Candyman was not supposed to be about black people originally when Clive Barker wrote the story. It had nothing to do with black people. Um, it had nothing to do with poverty, really. Um, so a, a lot of the analysis you get on Candyman is, in my opinion, a bit flawed. It's kind of what you make up in your head about the movie because it never really wanted to be those things. It kind of became those things. Because if you look at that movie as it progresses, he's this kind of mythical monster that just keeps out chasing white women. So it's kind of like the most frightening black exploitation of all time. Like you're gonna say his name three times and he's gonna steal like the hottest white woman in the room. That's weird. It's really weird. Um, but that's why I, re- I loved the Candyman's, the original one, and I never got into the sequels. They get too much into the backstory because they're trying to make it all make sense. And I think it just comes out such a mangled mess. And, you know, kind of in the hyper, the age of hyper politics, we, we want to overanalyze something that's just a mangled mess that was never supposed to be. What did they make? Four or five movies, I think they made of that series you know it was never supposed to be that someone says van jones <laughs> van jones is candy man he's the real candy man if you say his name in the mirror three times he will appear and just lisp in your ear all night that sounds like a fucking nightmare i would hella hate van jones lisping in my ear all night Jim says, I rented Empire Strikes Back because the cover without seeing Empire Strikes Back has an awesome cover. I think the, the movie poster to Empire Strikes Back might be the best one. Someone says they only saw Candyman and the new Candyman. I won't watch the new Candyman. I don't want to see it. You know what else I didn't watch? I didn't watch the new Karate Kid. <laughs> That one, not this, not the Cobra Kai series, but the one with Will Smith's kid and Jackie Chan. And my good friend was a producer on that movie. Won't watch it. Don't need to see it. You don't need to remake that. Didn't didn't seem interesting to me. Tried too hard on the fish out of water story. I was like, I tried. I kind of tried to watch it one day. I was like, I can't do it. I just can't do it. Someone says Farewell to the Flesh is a good title, though. Yeah, it's good. Clive Barker's kind of awesome with uh, with the way he writes. Um, I just don't want to watch a, a horror movie hitting me over the head with social commentary all the time. Because sometimes it's just too heavy handed. I think what made Candyman scary wasn't the social commentary. Right. Because before I saw that movie, I think most of us, there was a thing that you say in the mirror. That's where Parker gets the story from, you know, Bloody Mary, right? There's some thing you're supposed to do. We've all had a family member, a friend, you know, mess with us, throw us in the bathroom after you say, you know what I mean? Lock the door. So Candy, we already are walking into Candyman knowing the mythology of the mirror monster right um nightbreed was 1990 and i watched nightbreed last night 
and it's it's a pretty good movie. Oh, I just got a text message. Oh, it's coming on now. Professor Burgess is getting the paperwork that that fell. The bees. I did. Someone says the bees. I hated the bees in Candyman. I was reading. Was I reading or watching? Well, I think there's a there's a series on Shutter or Amazon. I can't remember, but it's about certain horror movie like iconic figures. They do Chucky, Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, and they did one on Candyman. Excuse me. And Tony Todd talks about the fact that he um he got paid for every bee sting because those are real bees. You know, all this stuff is before uh, CGI. Someone says the new Hellraiser was not that bad at all. I haven't seen the new Hellraiser. I have been tempted to see that. I see our guest is here. Well, since Halloween, uh, we've been having a lot of fun discussing all things spooky, as MT puts it. Since I am a fan of the horror genre, we decided to do some shows discussing different aspects of horror. And uh, one time frame I feel that gets forgotten in horror nostalgia is the 1990s. And instead of taking on the entire decade, we're going to focus on just the early half, 1990, 1994. In honor of the new horror documentary series coming out, Searching for Darkness, 1994. They did an amazing job on their 80s horror series that's up for streaming on Amazon. Three parts. I think they're all over four hours long, and I promise you, you won't get bored, and they'll leave you wanting watching more. Now, the 90s is a period where many horror fans have grown tired of the slasher in the woods tropes and all the attempts filmmakers were making trying to create wisecracking Freddy Krueger characters. Uh, too many teens camping on camping trips, dying in the woods, and post-coital bliss was a cliche people really didn't want to see. The 80s icons were also growing stale, as my guest today says, by Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Freddy Krueger, the man that terrorized your most vulnerable state, your dreams, had become a 1-800-pitch-man, a Bugs Bunny-like character. Jason Voorhees had left the forest for New York and Leatherface was all over the place with post Toby Hooper sequels. True crime was starting to dominate the media landscape and people were falling in love with serial killers. The wall had fallen, as did the Soviet Union. We were no longer on the verge of nuclear war and by 1992, we finally got the right-wing warmongering party out of office. It was time to celebrate, not making movies about great fears. In this end of history moment, monsters don't exist because on a global scale, there were no monsters. The monsters were us. Horror doesn't stop being produced. We just changed the name. Silence of the Lambs is more gory than the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Seven is a gruesome film that stars Morgan Freeman in a role that he will reprise throughout the decade. Grizzled detective hunting a crazy killer, but because there is no franchise behind it, we don't really see it that way. We still have the final girl trope. This time, it's just Ashley Judd. Exorcist 3, People Under the Stairs, Tales from the Crypt television show. The early 90s had some gems, and I have my good friend and fellow horror fan, host of the Give Them an Argument podcast. Please welcome Ben Burgess. Hey, Jason. What's going on, dude? Ah, not a lot. I, uh, you know, I am awake uh, and doing shit, drinking coffee, you know, at, uh, at what I think you know to be uh, earlier than I might otherwise be on a Saturday. I do. That's why I appreciate you. 
Uh, so you watched, uh, saw you watched uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 last night on the TIR Discord. We did, we did. And you know what shocked me? Uh, Jeremy Salmon had never seen it before. Oh, no shit. I was, I was a little shocked. There was a few people that had never seen it before. So what I like doing is when we watch movies like that that people hadn't seen before, seeing their reaction to certain things. And, of course, I think the people in this TIR universe are, are pretty fucking hilarious. So yeah. I had, was, was laughing myself silly reading a lot of the comments as people were, were watching the film. Um, and and uh, I can't remember which person it was that kind of called out Nancy. They're like, dude, this chick came back and just got everybody slaughtered. She got all these kids slaughtered on her. <laughs> she could have just stayed gone and maybe they would have lived. <laughs> yeah. So. No, that's, uh, I, I mean, it is interesting, right? Because that's like such a beloved movie uh, for so many people. You know, I love it, but um you know, it's got the it's got the song. You know, you can't not love that. You know, but um, it is. I think objectively, uh, it is at least like thirty to forty percent of the way there already in terms of the Bugs Bunification of uh, of Freddy Krueger. I mean, like you think about the first movie, and he's mostly silent, right? He has very few mm-hmm. lines of dialogue. The first movie is just kind of creeping around the background he's got a claws scraping against the uh, the furnace and you know by number three uh you know he's like sticking a girl's head in the tv and saying welcome to primetime bitch still re-watching that for the first time i think this is me and you watched it it's not that long ago yeah um greatest scene ever i just I, for some reason last night i was brought back to being like 11 or 12 when I watched that in the theater and uh, thinking that was the most amazing CGI I'd ever seen in my life. And Freddie was the coolest person ever. And, you know, these aren't the first kind of anti-hero heroes for people because they're really, they are, they're not even anti-heroes. They are the bad guy that we root for in these movies. And I feel like they peaked at different points because I think Jason Voorhees' movies peak at Friday the 13th, maybe five, okay. depending on how you feel about, about the fifth one where there's a different person that isn't Jason Voorhees in the suit because they want to bring the series back. But I think four, that series really peaks. I definitely think you can't really do much more with Texas Chainsaw after three – or after two, rather. Yeah. And – um. I mean, honestly, to, to my mind, Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, takes a nosedive about a third of the way into number two. I don't mind two. I do think it ends kind of, eh, whatever. I, I mean, my whole thing about two is that it started out looking like it was going to be such an awesome movie. You know, mm-hmm. then at the beginning, uh, there's the there's the guy who's iced, like, on the road. It's like, oh, something different's going on here. They do all this setup that, like, everybody is gathering around town for the big game. You know, there's the chili cook-off, you know, that the cannibals are entering. <laughs> and it's like, oh, my God, this movie is going to be uh, the cannibal family massacring everybody who's in the city for the big game. This is going to be on a different level. And then it's like, again, I don't know if they literally ran out of money or what happened, but uh, about a third of the way to halfway through the movie, I'm trying to remember exactly. They're just like, you know what? Let's actually just go back to the house for the first one and do the first one again. You know, if you read 
some of the stuff on that movie, and if you can find any interviews with Hooper talking about it, there was definitely a lot of fights he was having because he really wanted to make it a horror comedy. Yeah. And uh, Dennis, the late Dennis Hopper did not like the film. Um, apparently was a kind of a bit of a nightmare to work with. Um, I see what you mean. I know there was a lot of editing things that they didn't like because Hooper had signed that deal with Canon films and he goes on to make some of, I think some of his better work life force might be one of his best movies for those that haven't seen life force. Definitely check that out. Um, but the canon period for a lot of people for Toby Hooper is, is, is a little all over the place. Uh, I think he does invaders from Mars as well during the canon period. Um, I don't mind those movies. I actually, again, I think life force is really good. I think Texas chainsaw two kind of sets you up for what you're going to see from Hooper, which is like, you don't know what to expect with that guy. Like, let's remember. This is the guy that directed uh, poltergeist. Yeah. which you know really changes uh, the game and um, I don't know I don't I don't look I think we have different opinions about two I don't mind yeah. it as much because I didn't I watched two first and then the first one oh, I see. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie and say I watched the first one first in 1975 yeah. before I was born um, I definitely Found two, watched it, kind of dug it, and then went back and watched one, and one scared the bejesus out of me. No, I, I totally get that. Look, I mean, uh, this is this is a um, pretty hot take, uh, but like, I never minded. Uh, you mentioned Silence of the Lambs earlier in your intro. You know, it's like I never minded Hannibal. Like, I think I actually liked that movie a lot more than a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, um, even though Silence of the Lambs later became one of my favorite movies, I've watched that thing many, many times. We were talking about this last night. We were talking about what we were going to talk about today. And I was like quoting verbatim, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, it's been decades since I've seen this movie, but I was quoting verbatim. That blew me away. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so even though it became my favorite, one of my favorite movies, and I obviously like, you know, I, I think Silence of the Lambs is about 10,000 times as good a movie as Hannibal. I don't think there's any question about that. Bizarrely enough, I actually watched Hannibal first. I watched that while I was in the theater. Then I was like, oh, I should go back and watch it. You know, so it's like because of that, I got to sort of watch it as its own thing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have the experience. I think a lot of people did where it's like, oh, they have this like immortal classic in their minds. And it's like, what the hell is this? Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about certain things, more so cartoons than movies. You know, if I go back and watch Voltron, I'm like, oh, this is not as cool <laughs> as it was for seven-year-olds. By the way, I saw one of the chat things going by in, street, in uh, Restream said uh, uh, Matt Gilbert says uh, that uh, one of his most watched VHSs was Videodrome. That is a man with good taste. <laughs> Video Drum's a good movie. We were supposed to talk about that one day, and I was like, ah, let's let's ease into this horror thing before we get all high arty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, uh, you know, maybe to to avoid the temptation to fall into high art, uh, we you know we've been talking about 
you know, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and that might be a good way to start thinking about the early 90s. Um, yes, yes. The early 90s saw, you know, I think like, okay, look, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, um, I don't love quite as much as some people love it. Like, you know, like there are people who insist that it's like better than the first one or whatever, which uh, I never understood at all until somebody told me a little while ago um, that uh, they think it might have something to do with like people responding more to that kind of morning in America optimism uh, than, uh, than the like bleaker vision of the original movie, right? Kind of the same reason as so many people like Terminator 2 better than Terminator. Um, I think there might be something there. But it's like, look, so I don't like it as much as people who think it's better than the original. I think the original is like a, is one of the all-time best horror movies. And, you know, number three is the best of the in-universe sequels by far. But, um, but you know, people will, sure, like uh, whoever is going to, uh, you know, you'll, be, you'll get people making that case about number three. But, like... You know, the first one, I think, to, to uh, so in the, there are a couple, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 5 uh, is, I guess, still just barely in the 80s. That's, uh, that's 89. And, um, you know, by the time you get to Freddy's Dead, which is the. Oof. Uh, Oof. Uh, <laughs> Oof. Oof. Yeah, that's the that's the first actual '90s one, right? That I, I was just looking at. It looks like they didn't win yeah. one in '90s. So the first '90s one's Freddy's Dead, uh, which is number six, and it's like um, that's the one I remember. I used to have the DVD box set, and it came with a pair of 3D glasses because the uh, the 3D because of the end, yeah, at the end of Freddy's Dead, yeah. <laughs> Waited all the way to the very end for that bullshit. But look, I'm gonna name some movies from the '90s. Uh, I actually yeah. have some movies from the '90s. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, though, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's it's look, Freddy's dead. I'm a little bit more of a defender of than many people are. But like, you know, (laughs) there's some fun stuff about I like the way they just kind of went for it. And it it Mm -hmm. made me at least more interested than uh, than four and five, which is not a high bar. But um, but like the Bugs Bonification of Freddy Krueger is complete in that movie. (laughs) (laughs) It is complete. And so it is interesting that you also do get within our time period we're talking about today, another Freddy movie, not in the universe. Uh, It's the meta Freddy movie, uh, New Nightmare, and which they are explicit in the dialogue is about, okay, this, you know, the... uh, you know, Bugs Bunny with birds isn't scary anymore. So, mm-hmm. like, this is, you know, this is the darker, more real. They have to associate it with the real world somehow to uh, to make it scary again, which I think goes with some of the trends you're talking about, about true crime and serial killers and all that stuff. But you have a list. Um, so we have to remember that Freddy isn't the only sequel that we see in the 90s. Uh, Jason Voorhees is also in the 90s. One of your favorite films is a sequel in the 90s gremlins 2 oh my god yeah um gremlins 2 is uh gremlins 2 is so good 
it's it's definitely stranger to go back and rewatch now because it's not the bad guy exactly, but uh, the uh, the ambiguous guy in the movie is a very thinly disguised Donald Trump, uh, like to the point that if you look at them side by side, uh, his uh, his in universe book I took Manhattan has the mm-hmm. exact same cover layout as the Art of the Deal. They did that on purpose. Yeah. They they really they wanted it to be Donald Trump. They were so mad apparently at having to make the sequel Ugh. that they just kind of went for it, called out studio culture, kind of called out uh, corporations in that movie. Again, that to me is one of those movies. There's still some guys from the new left left over. Uh. Um, that Joe Dante, uh, 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 John Carpenter. Kind of, I don't even want to put Wes Craven in there because he's kind of all over the place politically. But um, those guys still make movies with a little bit of under underlying messages in the late '80s, early '90s. Of course, Carpenter does. Which is one of the reasons that Gremlins Two is maybe holds up better and is more interesting because, like, in a weird way, it makes sense to me that Gremlins 2 and uh, Freddy's Dead were made in the same era. <laughs> They're both kind of these over-the-top, like, absurdist mashups of the original Freddy property. It's, it's, uh, because when I start, I'm looking at a list right now of yeah. movies from 1990 to 1994. And a few people have mentioned the television series It. And last night, me and Ben were talking about Stephen King. Stephen King was all over the place in the 80s, but definitely on the big screen. I think the only way people thought they could see Stephen King was on the big screen, right? Even even going so far as to give him coked out uh, director's uh, privileges. Oh, my so, God. The, uh, maximum Overdrive. Yeah. 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 Which is like also like look I I actually really like Stephen King I'm a um, um, uh, I've been um, I've been going back and reading it again you know but like um, but I don't it's so confusing to me that anybody would think he would be good at that <laughs> <laughs> like what tells you that this is within his skill set right? the guy who famously uh, hated by far the best movie that was made uh, of, Shining. of yeah. any of his books, right? I mean, that's like a, that's like a, you know, AFI, like all time greatest movies mm-hmm. of any genre kind of movie. He's like, I don't, I don't, I don't like it. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't have like the hedge creatures from my book and Stanley Kubrick's an asshole. It's like, okay, man, uh, I don't, I don't trust you about movies. <laughs> I mean, Creep Show. He does a good job with Creep Show with his involvement in in one. He does, um, although he's writing that, not uh, not directing it. He's not directing it, but he's definitely having him and that that's him and Romero's baby. Yeah. And Creep Show one. I mean, we did a whole thing on Creep Show one. We did. Is kind of an awesome homage to comic books. Creep Show two is a little more of a almost made for TV anthology series uh, with curse words in it. Um, and we, we dare not speak of creep show three, the, the worst, but he does it in 1991, I believe. Yeah. The nineties is the era of like the Stephen King miniseries, Tommy knockers. 
um the dark half like he's got so many tv series but he's also doing movies too and some of his movies are hitting and some are not you know sleepwalkers did not hit (laughs) it's not a fun movie um but people under the stairs didn't hit but it definitely became a cult classic which you never think you would say with a stephen king movie that his movie's a cult classic but uh, You've seen people under the stairs. I have seen people under the stairs. Yeah. What did you think of that movie? Which is his middle finger to the Reagans. <laughs> Massive middle finger to. The yeah, Reagans. yeah. No, I I remember liking people under the stairs. I mean, I haven't, you know, I haven't watched it as much as you know certain other Wes Craven <laughs> movies, but I've uh, I've seen it. I liked it. Um, and yeah, I mean, you could definitely see the middle finger to, um, you know, to Reaganism in the uh, the movie and. As analogies that are occurring to me politically about people under the stairs, I'm not going to share because, like, I, 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 I'm not having a good time talking about horror movies. And I, don't <laughs> I don't want to talk about things that are going to depress me. But, you know, <laughs> it's, it, you know, hey, can we say this about people under the stairs? Ving Rames. Uh, Ving Rames with hair. Oh, oh my like, God, oh. yeah. <laughs> owns that movie now the the decade also starts off with with a movie that i don't think you've seen but it is my favorite film of this era to ray reed had been bitching at me to see exorcist 3 oh okay for like two years and one day i was on a date and we came back here and she liked horror movies and so i was like have you ever seen exorcist 3 and she's like never seen exorcist 3 and we put it on and I'm not even trying to be funny, dude. I was like jumping all over the couch the whole time oh, watching the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why she didn't come back. She was like, this guy's too screamy. <laughs> Can't be with the man that screams. <laughs> He's screaming and hiding. What kind of man is this? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I never have seen that. Um, I I don't know why it seems very odd to me that there are sequels to The Exorcist. Like, it's uh, yeah. there's something very strange about that. But yeah, um, I should I should check it out. Um, but I found out that William Peter Blatty, when he when he uh, he's the actual writer of the book, right? That the, the first movie is based, based on. on. Yeah. He didn't agree with Friedkin. A hundred percent, you know, much like Stephen King, right? Well, because because it's because it's um, I mean, except in in his case, right? I mean, Friedkin, uh, the uh, the Gladys case, mm-hmm. it's because he's like a super Catholic and uh, he he didn't like, you know, um, you know, he didn't like the priest dying. You know, he wanted the you know he wanted God to triumph over the forces mm-hmm. of darkness, right? Which is funny because it's like I think The Exorcist already doesn't do as much for me like the first one as it might for people who, uh, you know, were raised with a healthy fear of the devil. Uh, like, uh, Oh man, I, I was raised. I don't know if people know this. I was raised in a church. Actually. I lived with my grandparents and my grandfather was a Bishop of several churches throughout Northern California, um, where I don't really have that same, I, I, I never, it's one of those things you're forced into, right? You know, if sure, you have to go to, you know, you're forced into it. And, uh, there would be evangelical preachers that would come through every so often and evangelical preachers love talking about the devil. And this is the eighties. So yeah. everything I liked was the devil. 
<laughs> heavy metal, He-Man, <laughs> fucking like anything I, cool. I, I had a evangelical, like I had a friend from grad school who was raised evangelical. Mm-hmm. I don't remember whether he said it was his parents, one of his friends' parents, uh, but like the uh, either he or one of his friends, like he, he told me once, like wasn't allowed to watch He-Man because they falsely claimed to be the master of the universe. Right? It was always like dumb shit, <laughs> and they were like. I'm like, dude, it's he's just T-Man. He's like Conan, but nicer. <laughs> and and I and my parents were I'm not even gonna get into them, but yes. <laughs> we've had enough stories about my dad letting me watch kind of anything. Oh my god, yeah. The first, <laughs> the first like, you know, because I was doing on my show for a while uh, during like I don't know mid pandemic when it was like super easy to book people all the time. Like we had. Uh, I was I was doing you know like weekly movie shows. Now it's like you know once every month or two we you know can get mm-hmm. something together with you and Trey. But like uh, doing like these these weekly movie streams with a bunch of people and and for the first like six of them, you know none of these are family friendly movies. And for the no. first like six of them, Jason's always like, oh yeah, no, my dad took this to me. You know, he took me to see this when I was like four. I was like, really? Yeah. Jesus Christ. My dad is a, you know, he's an interesting cat. You know, he's an interesting cat. I'll leave it at that. Um, but uh, The Exorcist scared me. So for for those watching in the States, before we had satellites and everything like that, you would have your three major networks and then like local stations, UHF stations. Yeah. And UHF stations used to always play The Exorcist uh salem's lot a lot of these older oh, horror yeah, movies yeah. a few times a year and every time they would do the exorcist and that piano part comes on yeah <laughs> i think that's one of the more iconic frightening piano lines more so than you know uh even halloween i think because there's something about the scene of the priest that street light and the house uh, that used to scare the bejesus out of me. So when I finally had the courage to watch The Exorcist on regular television, so we're talking about commercial breaks uh, in between head spinning arounds of of Linda Blair, um, young Linda Blair, it still scared the hell out of me. When I watched it on cable, it scared the hell out of me. I tried to watch the sequel, and I was like, I don't get it. This is dumb. And so uh, William Peter Blatty, when he gets the green light to do the third, which would be the third installment of the Exorcist movie, he goes, I want to call this Legion. I don't want to call this the Exorcist. And the studio's like, no, you have to put Exorcist in the title because that's the only way people are going to go out to see it. It's a proven proven winner. He goes, two was such a failure. Everyone's going to remember two. No one's going to go see three. And he's right. I didn't even care that there was a three. I was like, this is stupid. Why would they make a three? The second one was so dumb. Tarek kept telling me. So finally, yeah, that day I watched it. I was like, three might be better than the first one. Okay. Interesting. It is. It is so great cast. Um, there's only there's a little bit of a tie-in from the first one with Father Karras, I believe that's his name. Okay. Um that that's a, that's about it. They don't really talk about Reagan. Um, it's so so good, and the mood that Blatty sets, and this is his first film. So back to the whole, why would anyone let Stephen King do do a movie? Yeah. Blatty does something in his first film 
where he gets mood and tone so perfect. I've seen that movie, Ben, no bullshit, four times. Every time, it is uneasy to watch the hospital scene. You know, I, I'm going to go up and you're having a debate. Let's pitch this. Yes. Uh, you're debating uh, a black guy, so you're, you're being a racist on uh, yes. October 22nd. Yeah, yeah. It's the uh, 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 Siaka. Uh, so, yeah, there's a black guy. He's also the uh, vice chair of the Los Angeles GOP. He's also yeah, a Quaker yeah. U and uh, Babylon B contributor. So uh, debating this guy at the Moroccan Lounge in Los Angeles on October 22nd. So that is a week from tomorrow. Uh, and doors at 6.30. Debate starts at 7. Uh, you can, you know, mingle uh, before and after with the likes of the legendary Jason Miles. <laughs> you know, there's, uh, you know, a good chance that uh, various other people from the uh, you know, left podcast at extended universe, you know, will, uh, will be there. So yeah, please, please do come check that out. But, uh, but yeah. Okay. So we were, so we're talking about the exorcist three mm-hmm. and I mean, just, just thinking about kind of the overall arc of four movies in the early nineties, which is also funny, right? Because it's like, um, you know, we started talking about Nightmare on Elm Street, which kind of gets peak Catholic in the late 80s, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's where, like... That's, um, like we, last night, Amanda, Amanda... Is her name Amanda? Amanda Kruger, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm teaching a in-person class this semester at a uh, this college in Burbank that uh, apparently that uh, used to be a convent, and... Uh, the day I started teaching there, I had lunch with the uh, department chair. He told me that the college, it's on like some list of haunted colleges. So between the two facts, convent and haunted, I keep expecting to see Amanda. I haven't seen her yet. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, like there's like a little bit, there's a teensy little bit of Catholicism in one. Uh, you know, you've got a little bit of stuff with, you know, crucifix talk and stuff like that. But it's like just a, just a dash of Catholicism. And then obviously with three, I mean they they introduced the you know the ghost nun right, and then, uh, and then uh, four is the is four the dream child or is that five? four is the four is the where the kids do the funniest teasing ever that I don't think kids would ever do. Son of a hundred maniac, <laughs> yes. son of a hundred maniac. Yes. Who does that? Nobody. What kids would be like? Ha ha! Your mom totally got fucking assaulted at a mental institution by a bunch of people. Yeah. And um, you're the offspring. But yeah, five, I guess, Dream Child uh is is where so that's like eighty-nine, and that's where the Catholic Catholicism uh like is turned up to eleven. Uh mm-hmm. they, I mean that's like a I mean, whatever. It's a movie at a large to a large degree about a fetus. Uh but uh, <laughs> uh um but uh but then like, you know, Freddie is dead like there's no you know there's none of that in there and um and in the uh and certainly a new nightmare i mean part of the you know oh this is going to be this more real mm-hmm. uh terrifying you know version of that uh there's there's you know there's no you know in a way right i think i think new nightmare is kind of anticipating uh 
you know, the meta horror of, of that, like you get later in the decade, right after the period we're going to be talking about and, and mm-hmm. even into, you know, even into like way later, right past the nineties, you know, shit like Cabin in the Woods. But, um, but I think it is part of the same kind of, you know, like, so even though Exorcist 3 um, is, is in this period, right? I mean, I think overall there is a certain like backing off from the kind of, uh, you know, ghosts and ghouls and, you know, and, and, and like, you know, cosmic stuff that, yeah. uh, that dominated, you know, yeah. uh, 80s horror. And I think if we look at this moment too, as when the exorcist type movies are coming out, they're really slept on and they don't do well at the box office. You know, Blatty goes on to say that the studio said, well, you're right. Maybe we should have called it Legion and it probably would have done better. And, you know, in my monologue, I talk about these Morgan Freeman movies. If that if those movies come out in the 80s and they would have hit, he, he would have had a name and they would have been, you know, kind of Indiana Jones style, but for detectives. Yeah. And I think. Hollywood saw the failure of franchises, mm-hmm. but you could just make the same movie over and over again with the same two people. And can't, I watched all those Morgan Freeman, Ashley Judd movies. Yeah. Right. Cause it's you, you, you get like, even though it doesn't have the same name on it, you see those guys in the preview, you kind of see mm-hmm. what they're doing. You're like, Oh cool. Another one of those movies. Yeah. And, and, and you, you just, you dig it or you don't. Right. And, and I think it, that kicks off with seven. Yeah, and, I mean, and then there's I mean, a whole bunch more like that. Maybe seven, I think, is the only one. Maybe you can call a horror. It's pretty gruesome. I mean, seven and like the killer in seven, and you know Hannibal Lecter or not Hannibal Lecter, sorry. Uh, although him too in a way, but it's like Buffalo Bill and Silence of the Lambs, right? Mm-hmm. Are both, um, you know, those are both like horror movie villains. If if anybody you know, if anybody is right. I mean, that's, you know, you, we were talking about this before and, you know, you made the comparison about saw, you know, like Mm -hmm. you could have, like, if you were like, if you had silence of the lambs, that was like from the perspective, like the dominant perspective of the movie was the girl in the basement. um, Then yeah, that would just be a straight up horror movie. Uh, I think the reason we don't think, and you know, Jesus certainly, certainly seven handled differently would have mm-hmm. been a straight up horror movie. I mean, as you said earlier, it's you know much more gruesome than many horror movies mm-hmm. are. Uh, I think the reason we don't think about them that way is they're not you know they're not movies from the perspective of a final girl running around the woods. Yeah, uh, they're movie they're they're police procedurals, right? You know that it's it's not you know. I mean, I suppose you could do the uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street movie that was like the. You know the the cops in the trench coat, you know, drinking coffee, and be like, "What happened here? Oh, another one died to sleep." You get a little bit of that though in part one. You know, let's yeah. remember in part one, That's Nancy's true. father, who is a cop, you do get a lot more following Nancy's father around, and I think that has to do again with in the '80s. You have these guys that aren't horror movie huge fans. Wow, these are cats wanting to be directors. They've directed tons of television, especially in Wes Craven's uh, uh, resume. He did tons of television. And when you watch the first couple, well, the first Nightmare kind of looks like TV. 
mm-hmm. when you, if you go back and rewatch it. And so I I think night or Nightmare One, in my opinion, a little bit more follows the police procedural. You know, we don't know what the edits look like. You know, maybe there's yeah. a cut that probably looks like police story. Um, but I think what you get in the '90s is more fleshed out characters. Once you eliminate teenagers in the woods, because you're like, we can't do teenagers in the woods anymore. And true crime is just what everyone's consuming. Reading it, and we're still talking about an era where people are reading books. Let's also uh, pull back a little bit and remember that this is also the era that soap operas are starting to die off on television. Except for the the big, like, three that have been around for, like, 70 years. Yeah. other than those, all the other ones, the Santa Barbara's and all the other offshoots of those are done. And now you're bringing in either game shows, which are cheaper to produce, or you're bringing in talk shows, which are cheaper to produce. And those two things need topics or those things that uh, talk shows need topics. And the big topic for talk shows was serial killers and following true crime. And and you get the rise of authors like Anne Rule. Um made for tv movies are definitely just going head first into true sorry, crime. Sorry, what, what author did you just say and rule okay not Anne rice and rule wrote uh tons of true crime okay. uh, small yeah. sacrifices stuff yeah. yeah you were reading stephen king dude and i was reading you know the housewife suburban <laughs> <laughs> true crime bs because there was no a and e in in 1980 whatever that year that was 88 um so these movies to me kind of fall in line with what everyone's consuming in the era um but i just think they're horror movies this is just how horror is going to look for for a while in the 90s because we've moved beyond um the cookie cutter uh, kids in the woods or and the, now the police procedure it's, it's like it 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 it's it's a stage of the development of what horror movies become, right? Like this is sort of, uh, I don't know, Pegillian uh, dialectic to this, right? You know, that it's like on the, uh, that you get in the, in the period we're talking about, right? In the early to mid nineties, there's this, um, there's this retreat from the, uh, you know, from like the monstrous supernatural teenagers in the woods getting slaughtered in post-coital bliss. Uh, uh, you know, that, you know, people, oh, now people are more interested in, in, you know, the real world or, you know, sort of pseudo real world, uh, horror, uh, you know, there's a, I think there's kind of a very distorted impression in the universe of a lot of these movies of like how mm-hmm. common serial killers are, right? But, yes, uh, yes, <laughs> yes, they, yeah, I mean, the fact that police are so good in these movies, like I, let's be real for a second. You know, we've talked about the Night Stalker before on this show. Yeah. The actual Richard Ramirez serial yeah. killer who is now deceased terrifies the hell out of me. I can't really watch too much stuff on him because I remember yeah. those moments growing up in California where he was killing people. He did come up to the Bay Area and you know breaking people's windows and slaughtering the shit out of them. And um, to find out that he is only caught because police beat up his cousin and they told him who he was 
There's no crack police work. Like no, you watch no. like seven, they're like, hmm, they're smelling shit. They're like looking at the room. Yeah, and, it's, yeah Morgan Freeman is like, you know, looking up passages in the Bible. You know? <laughs> that's not that's not how police work works they turn the screws on you and then you usually tell somebody yeah exactly it's like it's not yeah the the fact that he's caught by a you know by a snitch and uh and not you know and not by some kind of like amazing forensic breakthrough is one of many differences again i mean just the rate of this it's like a couple decades later this would bother me about dexter Mm -hmm. it's like how many fucking serial killers would there have to be just in Miami Dade County to go to work? <laughs> like, you know, this is an extremely uncommon thing to happen anywhere. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like, okay, so the supposedly real horror, um, you know, kind of becomes dominant in this form that doesn't even necessarily look like horror to most people in the period we're talking about. And then, like, a little after the period we're talking about, then you get the synthesis right yes. of, of the yes. of the two that you restore the um the the screamy teenagers you know uh dying in post-coital bliss you, usually not in the woods anymore usually in like a suburb but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you restore that but this time you know the guy who's chasing you uh isn't some like unkillable you know semi-zombified you know jason Voorhees kind of person or you mm-hmm. know the you know or like the you know it's not a demon you know it's like a, you know it's it's just a it's just a serial killer who's wearing a mask that reminds you a little bit of 80s slasher movies <laughs> I, I don't want to get too much into scream because uh, that is 96 later, yeah. and on but I do have to say that I agree with that 100% that what we're building up to in the 90s, I think, is A, the box office failures of guys that kind of made some of their better work in the 90s. I think John Carpenter's trilogy of, of movies that he does, it was, was it uh, In the Mouth of Madness? Um, what's the other one that he does? He does a few movies in the 90s that a lot of people don't watch. But they're really, really cool. And they kind of are mixing practical effects and the early stages of CGI and uh, crazy stories that that are, are just kind of – they've messed with your head. Okay, um, so the, the movies that John Carpenter makes, the time period we're talking about, are uh, Memoirs of an Invisible Man – uh, 92 in the mouth of madness 94 and i guess if you want to count the this well this is getting to be a little bit later but like in the middle of the decade there's uh village of the damned in 95 and escape from la in 96 oh escape from la i did not dig um but when you when you look at some of these these films that these guys made they get slept on really hard even west craven's new nightmare doesn't really do all that well, even though I thought that was probably one of the better movies of that oh. series. Oh, no question. I think that was, like, at least, like, honestly, to me, that's, like, tied for second place with, with number three. I mean, like, oh, that, yeah. is a, that is such a fucking good movie. Such a good movie. I remember when we were watching, I just kept going. I was just like, whoa! <laughs> I was like, yeah. whoa! I can't believe it. Whoa! Um, that, that uh, by the time you get to Scream, which is calling out the cliches of the past, 
you know, doing this new thing where they're going to get the hot stars of small fledgling networks like like uh, Fox. Now we look at Fox some 30 plus years later as a major network. Fox was not part of the big three. Um, They were a new network. Lots and, of crime stuff. That's uh, yeah, <laughs> cops. Yeah. Um, and the WB and the CW. Those those uh, those were small networks, but they were making these teen shows, and that's all you got in that era was okay. Let's instead of making the monster the big thing, we're going to pull a, a Alfred Hitchcock and get the biggest star we can at the time, which was Drew Barrymore for screen. We're going <laughs> to kill her off in the first 20 minutes. It's going to F your head up. You're not going to know what's coming. Yeah. And then we're going to fill it with a bunch of people that you might know from some mildly successful shows on these. Which was kind of the movies. move for like all the movies that came in the mm-hmm. wake of that. Right. I mean, oh yeah. Those, those movies were all filled with TV people. <laughs> And they were the they were the front of the of the box. So no longer was it the the fear of this looks scary. It was brooding faces of pretty people um, on a box. And then everybody needed to do that real up close shot that that yeah. Wes Craven does in Scream. And all totally. those movies to me look the same too. Yeah, look, and I've got a lot of nostalgia for some of those movies. Uh, certainly the original Scream. I even watched the first couple sequels to Scream many more times than they deserve to be watched. But, like, <laughs> uh, but I still really like the first one. I, uh, uh, I know what you did last summer, um, which I've, I, I have seen those sequels exactly one each, and I don't know why I don't watch them, but, uh, but I have, I've seen those. But, like, you know, once every year or two, I'll get the itch to go back and watch I Know What You Did Last Summer. Um, the uh, Even... Um, you know, even Urban Legend, uh, which, you know, despite the nonsensical final reel, uh, you know, it's like, look, nothing else, nothing else. It's Freddy Krueger as a professor in a tweed jacket. Uh, you can't uh, you can't not like that. Right. So it's like all those movies have a certain atmosphere to them that I respond to. And maybe I just watch them at the right time in my life. Um but yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it is definitely the 90210ization of the the slasher movie, uh, especially you know like the three movies that I just named are like it's a little bit like how we think of like I don't know like the early mid 70s is this era of like amazing music you know that it's like oh my god it was just fucking better then but then you actually go back and look at the top 40 uh, like billboard charts yeah from that era and it's like oh most of this is I mean you've never heard of and if you go back and listen to it now it's like oh this is kind of shitty right <laughs> like uh, yeah there's a lot of AM gold in the 70s that's uh, selling tons of records yeah, yeah so it's so it's like oh Right. It's not that it was this era of uniquely amazing music. It's just that the only things we remember from it uh, mm-hmm. were, uh, were really good. Right. So it's uh, similar. It's kind of similar. It's like the, you know, I mean, the three look and don't get me wrong. It's not even a one to one comparison. I mean, I'm not asserting that, like, you know, I know what you did last summer is the Led Zeppelin slasher movies. Right. But uh, but it's. Um, I think it's the Sammy Hagar, Van Halen era of slasher movies. I, I like that. That actually <laughs> kind of works. Uh, but yeah, like, but but even those few that I just mentioned are, you know, 
are the ones that, you know, kind of hold up the best relative to that crop. But there were a million movies that with like, you know, CW, you know, um, you know, people of, you know, well, okay, people who are 35 uh, on some CW to show played a teenager. That was being killed by some extremely forgettable, yeah. uh, you know, like person who turned out to just want to be their friend, you'd be one of their friends. And there were so many of those movies that like nobody remembers and they don't deserve to be remembered. And, you know, but like, um, which I guess, you know, whatever you can say of any era, but I feel like that one maybe in particular, because the, uh, the, the elements that were going into that synthesis, uh, I think might've really lent themselves towards a lot of, uh, a lot of, particularly forgettable movies um i mean look next next time maybe maybe the end of the month we'll talk about uh urban legends and all those other movies because i just we could do another four hours of us bitching about that i'm still mad that the noxzema girl was the killer oh my god now this is what i was saying about the nonsensical (sighs) final reel it's like i enjoy that movie so much up until then yeah when they get to that it's like no, she fucking wasn't. Yeah, I remember <laughs> screaming. I was like, it's wow, like, how? How? She like, was lifting people up. She's like, yeah, she's like, yeah this, you know, all 95 pounds of her was yeah. like hefted that quarterback up to like hang him on the Yeah, <laughs> you're just like, come on, dude. You really like that. We have the twist. It's going to be the Noxzema girl. That's <laughs> the Noxzema girl it is. <sighs> Noxzema girl. Woo! Shoot it! Uh, <laughs> I believe that's how that movie was done. Stephen King is all over the place in the 90s, maybe even more than he was in the 80s. Is Misery his best entry in between 1990 to 1994? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I have a lot to say about Misery, but uh, that seems plausible. Um and that would be interesting if so, because it does fit with the sort of general, more general story we've been telling about the era mm-hmm. since, you know, I mean, you think about the sort of range of Stephen King villains, right? There's, mm-hmm. uh, there's the, um, you know, there's the the demon clown floating, you know, floating <laughs> the, the sewer, you know, mm-hmm. there's... Uh, you know, there's the uh, there are haunted houses. There are the there are the like Dracula style vampires in Salem's Lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's the bad guy? Woman. <laughs> she's just some person. She's just like a she's just a Stephen King super fan. I think what's that Eminem song? Stan. Yeah. I, 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 I hope that's a term people stopped using. Yeah. I've always found it problematic. You know, people are like, I stand blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's you, annoying. You know, he, that's about him killing. His, <laughs> he kills some, he kills the baby's mom in that, right? You know, that's, yeah, that's, that's the a, epitome that's of problem. like uh, domestic violence. <laughs> no, we're going to, okay, whatever. That's yeah. fine. Times have changed, I guess. Um, but she's like the first Stan yeah. that I can think of in a movie where. It's so realistic to a certain point, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and frightening because we we have seen that play out. I'm a huge heavy metal fan, as you guys know. 
and I'm a big Pantera fan, not the biggest, but I'm a, I'm a Pantera appreciator. Okay. And I remember being so heartbroken when Dimebag got murdered on stage. Like that's a kind of insane thing to think about that someone comes to your show and literally murders you in front of your your best friends and brother. Um and there's there's a few stalker fan movies that come out in the 90s. I think there's a movie called The Fan, and I believe it stars uh, Wesley Snipes and um, Robert De Niro. Okay. I don't know. Um, really good move, movie, Night Game with Roy Scheider. is another movie kind of about obsessed fans. Um, fan obsession, parasocial relationships, or even a thing uh, in this era. Do you think these parasocial relationships... Um, have ramped up more in the post-peak COVID era of of media consumption. Uh, yeah, I mean, it sure seems that way. That you know, I I mean, the amount of um, the amount of emotional energy that certainly goes into it in uh, our world. And closely adjacent worlds, right? You know, mm-hmm. the year uh, to like which particular people that people watch on their screen they like or dislike as kind of the uh, as kind of the uh, the like you know the the prism through which they just think about politics, right? Uh, I, I think has has gotten pretty wild, right? Just anecdotally, I mean um, that you know it's it's you know I think. You know, I think the lack of a sort of, you know, anchor like the Bernie campaign or anything like that, uh, Mm -hmm. that people, yeah, people just end up turning politics into, um, you know, well, I I like this guy because, you know, I don't like this guy because like he, you know, because, you know, because he uh, he said something nice about this person who sucks and, you know, whatever. It's like, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I hear you. It's all, you know, fucking silly. So, I mean, I guess, I guess bringing it back to, uh, to the main subject, uh, I don't know. I guess you could do like, uh, I guess you could actually probably do a pretty believable misery where it was like, uh, you know, Hassan Piker super fan or somebody like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, it's interesting because we don't see, Who's listening or watching? Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, you always get get the people do right. Like it's uh, yeah, you know, you, like you're out about real life and somebody starts talking to you about it. You're like, oh right, yeah, that's uh, this is a this is a thing that's broadcast. You know, that like that goes out to people who watch it. And you know, like uh, like I'm not I'm not famous enough where you know Ben is, <laughs> but I'm not famous enough to like go outside. And someone go, oh, you're Jason from blah blah blah, right? I'll bet if you uh, if you didn't live on a dirt road in Mexico, it would happen more than you think. Um, maybe, maybe. But, but you know, look, I we were I spoke at a college. You were there, and yeah. we're we're doing the thing, and and people forget that again. I don't see you. I don't know what you look like. I don't know who you are. I may have interacted with you on a chat, but I don't yeah. know if you don't come up to me and say, hey, this is you know. 
Butt Nugget 45. Oh, BN45, the homie. I don't know who the fuck you are, right? Yeah. And I'm talking to someone, and they were just like, oh, yeah, yeah, but I watched that champagne room. I'm like, oh, oh. And it kind of, my yeah. first thing is I get weirded out. It's like, oh, you could have said that up front. I wouldn't have been like a dick to you. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty chill. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there is the kind of person who will introduce themselves as like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm Mike Smith, you know, butt nugget 45. <laughs> I would appreciate that. I, I feel like all the people I've ever met who are like TMBS viewers back in the day, they all kind of introduced themselves that way, right? You know, it's like this is the, uh, you know, this is who I am in the chat. It's, 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 look, dude, it's, it's, we, it's always weird, right? Because again, we don't, we don't see these people. And there have been, you know, even going further back before Dimebag gets, gets killed on stage. There was a more liberal we, when we when liberal was like a different uh, word maybe we would have said leftist a radio disc jockey that was very fiery in the Colorado area. Oh, I, I know who you're talking and about. And he yeah. got murdered um, because he used, Nazis. Yeah, he really antagonized uh, neo Nazis who were you know let's let's be honest in the 80s there was kind of this blow up of of neo Nazis. Yeah, I don't I don't care for them. Uh, you know, like if, if the, I, I know we're going to have a nice discussion about horror movies and I, I shouldn't do too many controversial political takes, but like, uh, you know, I, I, I just don't, I just don't like the Nazis. <laughs> they were look that that's crazy because again, you don't think, you don't think you're saying this guy actually said incendiary shit. He had his couple hour show and he was yelling because that's what you did on sure. radio, right? You need to get yeah, listeners. Yeah. You're going to get fired. You're going to yell. And he w- had a call-in show, and he incensed someone. The person had threatened to kill him, and he was kind of like, whatever about it. And then the guy shot him on his way out to his car and killed him. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, um, which is kind of, you know, I was thinking about, horror movies here i feel like i've seen two or three movies uh some of which are from the 90s that feature some version of the sequence mm-hmm. where there's like the radio dj who's like talking a lot of shit on air and then like somebody comes into the booth and kills them mm-hmm. i think there was a tales from the crypt like that or at least a, one of those anthology things that, that definitely did that as well talk radio with eric bogosian is the 90s movie i think you're talking about where he actually plays a version of that guy um, that that uh that got killed um it's it's interesting like when you talk to a guy like sam cedar you know regardless of how you guys feel about about sam he actually didn't come up on radio it comes up in hollywood but he had a good stint on air america and there was a moment and people probably won't believe this but if you spoke ill of the president especially post 9-11 you were persona non grata oh my god yeah Um, that's uh that that was uh yeah and ask the uh the dixie chicks uh that's like uh that was definitely like people have really forgotten just how bad that was in various ways. I think people have forgotten just how bad that was that like, you know, period of national madness after, mm-hmm. uh, after nine 11, like, um, and, and it's, 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 uh, it's so weird to me. Like I saw, um, uh, 
you know, all right. You're gonna have to like, you're gonna have to start like a, a you know, countdown buzzer or something to stop me from talking about this for 90 seconds, guys. I've been bad all week and I don't want to be bad today. But, <laughs> like, there was a, there was a point where uh, Ed Markey was speaking at a rally mm-hmm. about the Israel stuff, you know, like a, not like a our people kind of rally, right? You know, but yeah. the other kind and. Mm-hmm. But he didn't get the memo that you're not supposed to talk like this. So he used the word de-escalation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and one of the speakers, other speakers, like 15 minutes later, is, you know, like chided him for that. He's like, nobody told us to de-escalate after 9-11. And I saw, I was like, I fucking wish they had. <laughs> <laughs> if you got in some kind of men, men in black memory wipe in the last 20 years of American foreign policy, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure we went into the Middle East. We kicked ass. And it was all good. All, all the good things happened as a result. No, you didn't know? You didn't get the memo? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Jesus. Okay, man. Um, I mean, but- those guys were saying what would probably we wouldn't think is super incendiary now because everything is so broken up. Yeah. So you kind of miss the scale of who they were reaching. Even on a radio station that was that small, they were still hitting numbers on a scale that we can't even fathom right now. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, and, it, that was how people like that was the. I mean, that's an era of like relative monoculture that, mm-hmm. um, you know, people like, you, because it's like now everything people listen to, and you know, not everybody, you know, but like people under a certain age, people with certain kinds of habits, right? It's it's all self-selected, right? It's like, oh, I'm a, you know, I'm a leftist, so I'm going to seek out, you know, I'm going to seek out left-wing shows, whatever. It's like, no, look, you know what people listen to in this era? Whatever was on the radio. Yeah. And there was only one place to hear left. I mean, the amount of Rush Limbaugh I listened to back then because it was what was on the radio. It was what was – even if you listen to sports, you were going to get a right winger right after the game. There was no 24-hour sports radio yet until, Jesus, the 2000s. <laughs> and, and and when I think about that time, I remember asking Sam. I was like, oh, dude, I would love to talk to Janine uh, Garofalo. I think she's yeah. kind of an interesting character. Yeah. Um she's had a, a to me an interesting trajectory in hollywood right and so i've heard her say some things um about the roles that she's gotten and i was like i'd like to uh. kind of talk to her more about her time on certain some of these shows and sam was like i you, you act like i got into her like that like nah it's hard to get a hold of that woman and a lot of it has to do with what happened with them in the air america days and the kind of threats they were getting and that was a different that was a different time yeah. and you were getting some really serious i'm gonna get you threats um that that's a it's a scary moment man and and i think when you think about that and you watch a movie like misery and you think about a guy like stephen king like what kind of hate mail oh my was God. he getting because he was somewhat of a public figure. People knew well, he was totally a public figure. I mean, this is the, uh, I think Stephen King, look, even now, right? Stephen King is somebody who, um, I actually don't think even now, right? That guy gets to be anonymous, right? Like, uh, that's, uh, I think that's off the table if you're Stephen King. Um, you know, he has a very you know distinctive look to him, whatever. But it's like back then, Right. Because it's like it's again, this is the era of relative monoculture. 
Um, you know, not that everybody was reading, you know, Stephen King books, you know, as you said, some people were reading true crime books or whatever, but it's like, <laughs> uh, but a lot more people were reading a lot of books yes. and, um, and a, a ridiculous percentage of those books were written by Stephen King. I mean, that's kind of like the old joke about like airport bookstores. There's like the Stephen King section and the John Grisham section. <laughs> John Grisham also was huge in the nineties, dude. So yeah, huge. <laughs> so huge in the nineties. Um I do I you know I, did, I remember doing a class report on misery before it was a movie on the book. Okay. I, did, I did my you know, you had to do like a book report yeah, presentation. Really. I remember I did a book report presentation on that and I remember the teacher being like, Oh god, no more with this kid. <laughs> what are we gonna do with this guy? Um one of my favorite films from this era got remade this past year, and that's Candyman. Which is um, what? What was your first impression of this Clive Barker classic? Uh, which movie did you say? Candyman. Oh, Candyman. Don't make me say yeah. it again, goddammit. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. I don't say it. Because if it. another black man appears in here that's not named Lionel Miles, I'm going to be terrified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess you're looking at your image in the computer. It's unclear if that counts. <laughs> But yeah, you don't want to say the name again. I don't uh, want to say it again. Yeah. See him. See him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, I, uh, you know, I may be an atheist and a materialist, but I do not say that. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. No, that that is a really interesting movie. Uh, what year is what year is is that? Ninety two. Ninety two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because it is interesting, because on the one hand, um, that is a supernatural movie, and it's, you know, and it's like sort of, I don't know, it's like super supernatural, right? I mean, it's like, uh, it's, you know, in the in the setup, but it's, um, there is something that's more grounded about it, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, just the, just the fact that... Um, I mean, it's just interested in itself, right? That it's like it's not um, that this this guy is is not by and large, you know, he's not like, you know, he's not killing, you know, teenagers skinny dipping in the woods that they could find near their suburb, right? I mean, he's <clears throat> he's, he's killing people in this, you know, housing project, right? Uh, Cabrini Green. Um, and and so I mean that itself is probably the most kind of interesting shift just on the face of it, um, you know, in that's 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 represented in that movie that like feels that feels uh, that feels different about the movie, but it's like I don't know. There's also something about the the tone that feels that feels very different to me. You know, looking back at you know Candyman, that like it doesn't. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it just it just doesn't have um, like there's so many you know horror movies from the late '80s, early '90s that it's like I don't know. I kind of think of as like movies to pop on, uh, you know, while you're you know like unwinding and ordering a pizza or something. And it's like uh, it's like I don't know. It's like can you know you know Candyman is is a is just a much uh, yeah, it's it's just uh, it's it's not more gruesome exactly, but it's like I don't know, more somber somehow. Um, I guess 
I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I need to. Uh, it's been a long time since we, I watched it. But I, I, I remember this very, very vividly. There was a friend of ours in the city called Hercules, California, and we were watching. It was probably about eight of us uh, watching Candyman for the hundredth time. Okay, yeah. So you see this? I should say. I've seen this movie like a couple times. You've, you oh know. no, we watched we and and so there was a scene. There's a scene where uh, uh, Virginia Madsen's character is going asking some like neighborhood hood, hoodlums, Ugh. right, about Candyman, and this one black dude walks up to her and goes, "You looking for Candyman, bitch?" And then they hit her upside <laughs> the head. We rewound that so many times. We rewound it probably like 55 times. Every time we're just like tears streaming down our face we couldn't fucking stop laughing yeah um, okay and, you know that's a good point like I, I there is an element of the sort of over the like that kind of like gruesome comedy to it um that i think coexists when i'm talking about somebody in the chat said it was like uh there's a sort of element that's like gothic romantic horror to it mm-hmm. is totally right I, oh like, it's clive barker in a nutshell yeah, and this is and this is you know maybe part of what I was trying to get at earlier, but uh, but they but like also though there is something about the premise that does really lend itself to to that kind of uh, that kind of gruesome comedy that it's like the the fact that the thing that you do to mm-hmm. to roll your eyes at it is the very thing that's going to get you killed. <laughs> <laughs> what I don't like about Candyman is how people there's this. There's this uh, anti-racist, revisionist uh, look at this movie. Ugh. And sometimes when I see, like, I love watching these, like, black horror things. Like, horror noir, I thought was, like, Ugh. I've watched it quite a few times. It's kind of a fun watch. But it's, to me, I feel like they're a little too sanguine about movies to a certain uh, degree. Um, like there's a, there's a part where they, um, they talk about Candyman and say, this was so great for young black kids to finally see themselves on screen. I was like, as a fucking killer, like that's really what, uh, young black kids want to see themselves as like, I've been black for a minute now, 40, 40, 40, 46 years. And never did I think, you know, one day I too can be Jason Voorhees in a horror movie. Give a shit. I never thought that was what uh, we would aspire to be. And uh, when I see a lot of the academic takes on this, um, there's actually kind of a pretty famous film class now where they actually teach uh, Get Out um, as part of the curriculum. And, you know, while I rather enjoyed Get Out and I did enjoy Us, while I enjoy Candyman, I think there's a lot of uh, overthinking with some of that stuff. And it's uh, it's insane to be to me to say. Like, I, w- I would what I want now is the boondock style impression <laughs> of Martin Luther King saying, I have a dream that one day young black boys and young black girls could be massacred by serial killers, not just young white boys and young white I have kids. a dream, Ben Burgess, <laughs> that one day little black boys can have hooks for hands. 
and pog white women to follow them all throughout the hereafter. I have a dream. They make white women different nowadays, Ben Burgess. They drop it like it's hot and they clap. My God, I've seen the mountaintop. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Right. The Pog Love and MLK is the new character we have here on TIR that nice. is definitely designed for cancellation. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm going full on uh just jumping with both feet in to the uh cancellation uh, pool. Sure. And I want uh I want it to catch on because uh Pog Hunter MLK. <laughs> like uh on his uh I think on his last album, uh Doug Stanhope has this whole riff about how, how mad he is. That his name never came up in like the Me Too wars about comedy. Like, <laughs> he starts talking about like all the things that he did that people could turn into scandals. And he's like, "Come on, what do I have to do? You know, it used to be that when like the the set was starting to get a little dry and nobody was laughing, I would just drop my pants. Like, <laughs> you know, why is nobody trying to be to me? <laughs> yeah, there's. There's so many movies in. The, do you think there's movies in the '90s in this era that can't come out today? I feel like, outside of the crazy stuff that was more trauma adjacent, like Frankenhooker, yeah, you can't have another Frankenhooker. You can't have another Basket Case too. You can't have another. Uh, I don't know. I, I, other than that, I think most of these I movies can have that, a life. Though. Like, cause I hear people throw around claims like that all the time. You know, this couldn't come out today. That couldn't come out today. It's like, maybe, I uh, mean, I don't, I don't really know what that means though. Right. Cause it's like, it's like, does, does, do you like, I know what somebody means when they say that something couldn't come out today, if they mean that it wouldn't be like greenlit by a major Hollywood studio today, but it's like mm-hmm. half the time the movies they're talking about when they say that were, you know, pretty indie uh, at the time yeah. they came out. Yeah. I think uh, even, even these like kind of rape revenge movies, which I fucking hate. Like the I Spit on Your Grave. Your Grave, Last House on the Left. That stuff all got remade in the 2000s. Yeah. Pre-Me Too. They're pre-Me Too. But they made, I don't know if you know this. Do you know there's like five I Spit on Your Graves? I actually did know that. I've only ever seen the first one. Uh, that was like one of those movies that um, I think I got or uh, my friend Les might have gotten from, uh, you know, at the uh, at the video to go in Lansing, Michigan. They had that like uh, they had like a bin of like mm-hmm. movies. They were like selling outright for a dollar. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that may have been a discovery from uh, from that bin. Um which is which is interesting actually because I just yesterday you know I've I've got um, look I'm a you know pretty basic person when I uh, you know when I'm driving around town and I don't uh, I'm not listening to a podcast or something I just have the radio on oh it's always uh, KLOS uh, the uh, the the classic rock station which is like a a whole time capsule in itself. Uh, mm-hmm. 
and they were doing a thing yesterday where they're having people call in and uh, and and tell them their favorite horror movies. And somebody said I spit on a grave, and I had to think about it for a second. It's like, is that a horror movie? I guess it is. It's it's yeah. I mean, I I think of horror. I mean, Sean Moon said something kind of interesting earlier. He goes, I think uh uh, uh what's the drug movie? I can't think of the name now. Got to narrow it down, man. I know, such a doucher. Um, the, that one movie that was ever made. Jared Leto, Jared Leto, Double Deal though. Okay. What's it called? <laughs> Requiem for a Dream. Oh Jesus, that drug movie. I remember, <sighs> I remember seeing it because the only thing I knew about it when I, I watched Requiem for the Dream in the theater, mm-hmm. uh, I was living Oof. in back then, and it's like the only thing I knew about it was that they. Uh, I thought the poster looked cool. I hadn't mm-hmm. seen it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it said like from the maker of, of pie, right? You know, and I remember yeah. like watching that movie and liking it. So it's like, sure, I'll give it a chance. And I I remember, yeah, it's a good movie, but it's like, Jesus Christ! I had a uh, I remember leaving the theater after I watched Requiem for a Dream, being like, okay, I need to go home and take a shower. Now. <laughs> it's I think that's a horrific film. Yeah, uh, I, it ends with ass to ass, like that is so horrific, right? Um. Again, I, I look at horror as anything that's terrifying. It doesn't have to be the whole movie. I don't need goblins and blood um, uh, to scare me. I said this the other day, I think with Varn, the, one right. of the scariest movies as a child was Pee-wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> and Large Marge you know, gives him the ride. That's the scariest shit in the world when I was a child. So, um, it still makes me jump you know, today as a yeah. 36-year-old man. Uh, so for me, horror... I, I, my definition is is a little more broad, yeah. and I think when we look at a lot of these movies, um, they don't necessarily get thrown into the horror category. Cape Fear is a scary movie. Yeah, right. So I think with a loose, with like a narrower definition, yeah, I don't have to think about it as a horror movie exactly. Although it's an interesting question, why not? Right? Because mm-hmm. it's. Uh, because in a lot of ways, I mean, I mean, it's funny. It's a little bit like the uh, the argument the Terminator is a slasher movie. Uh, yeah. But like, I hope you like that video I sent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I I like that video. That's good. That's a good video. Um, but uh, yeah, Joe Blow, Joe Blow horror. Uh, but yeah, that like in a way structurally, uh, Cape Fear is totally a horror movie. Right. I mean, it's like a very classic kind of horror movie plot, you know, that there's the guy who's seeking revenge, who starts out doing all this ominous, creepy shit to, like, warn you of his presence. And mm-hmm. then he uh, and then he starts killing people. And, you know, as you're like escaping and, you know, what like it's uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's like a very classic kind of horror movie structure. Like I said, I'm not quite sure why it feels like it goes in the different uh, box exactly. But um but yeah, no, I mean, I look, I understand why some people don't like the early 90s Cape Fear. Um, there is something, you know, it's like very over the top, you know, but like, I love that movie. Like I could, you know, like anytime, you know, I was in Rosarito and, you know, you're, you're like, hey, I want to, I want to, uh, uh, yeah. I want to uh, let's 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 pick up some tacos and bring it back and uh, and let's watch uh, let's watch the '90s Cape Fear. I'd be like, hell yes, I will. <laughs> that is that that uh, the bad guy in that movie is uh, you know counselor. Right? Oof. <laughs> like that, Oof. That, 
Yes, that is so good. And it's like, yeah, it's like a little cartoonish, but it works for me. And it's so like there's such a nice sweaty atmosphere and it gets so uh, twisted as it goes on. Oh, dude, it's it's uh, another movie where I feel me personally, I take a shower after it's over. You know, it's one of those like (laughs) you feel you got to watch a comedy like I'm putting on Mr. Show or Strangers with Candy or something after that, you know, over because it's just so like, oh, you know, thinking about putting on a comedy for uh, a little uh, a little relief after all this uh, unrelenting darkness. You know, you mentioned Pee Wee earlier, and that may that reminded me that uh, the original Buffy movie came out during this period. Oh, that is right. The original Buffy movie is actually, it's pretty good. Actually, I, I think yeah, it still I, holds I like up. It, yeah. I don't. Do you believe it still holds up? I think it still holds up. Oh, I think it still holds up. Yeah, no, I've I've um, I've watched that thing many times. I've and like most recently, I don't know, not that many years ago. Um, it's uh, no, it's fun. It's fun. Right. It's it's got to like, yeah, I mean, it it is it is just like a nice, fun um, horror comedy like uh, that. uh, That, yeah, I mean, it's I I'm always going to enjoy that movie. You know, the the principal uh, who's um, what's his name? He was like uh, Jimmy James in News Radio, right? It's the uh, mm-hmm. I can't think of the guy's name either. Yeah, um, but you know who's like because uh, it's already in the early '90s. You know, this is the cliche, right? He's like, uh, you know, he's like talking about, uh, you know, he's like trying to tell tell the kids stories about like you know dropping acid at Woodstock and shit like that. You know, that, that's the that's the old person in the early '90s. Uh, you know, uh, stereotype. Um, you know, that guy's hilarious. Uh, it's yeah, I mean, it is interesting, right? Because it's like definitely drawing on uh, a certain kind of earlier vampire movie that was already pretty lighthearted. You know, your your Fright Nights, your uh, your uh, Lost Boys, right? You know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Near Dark is definitely the darkest. Of I mean, the Return of the Vampire, to me, the gothic vampire is returned in with Anne Rice's novels. First of all, Anne Rice is such a big presence in the mid to late 80s. And then by the time you get the movie interview with the vampire with uh, kind of an all-star cast, right? Uh, uh, Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise yeah. Brad Pitt, and, uh, what's the young lady's name? Uh-huh. Kristen Dunst? Kirsten yeah, Dunst? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you know, that, that's a major movie for people. And then I think the edgy vampire goes away. Um, Buffy kind of brings it back a little bit, but it's it's a little more satirical. Um, yeah. I don't think until we get uh, Tarantino's Dust Till Dawn do vampires get uh, truly scary again. Oh, yeah. Uh, I want to go see that. I was going to... I think I was going to... And I had COVID, but they might be doing it again before the end of the month. Uh, the New Beverly, which is Tarantino's theater, is actually doing like a midnight showing of Dust Till Dawn. Uh, but uh, but yeah, what what year is that? Dust Till Dawn. Uh, I think that's like late '90s, isn't it? Yeah. Someone uh, watching this has to know. I'm gonna name some as we're get we're creeping up on uh, on an hour 45 minutes. I'm gonna name some movies that came out in 1990, and you tell me if you remember any of these. Okay. 
Probably uh, very few of these, but keep going. Mi- misery, right? We start off the decade of sure. misery. Jacob's Ladder. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't. You know, I know it's a super classic, but I need to go mm-hmm. back and watch that again. I don't remember that as well as I should. Nightbreed. Nope. Uh, you guys can watch that. You can watch Nightbreed on YouTube for free if anyone doesn't have a, a streaming service watching on YouTube. Child's Play 2 is 1990. Okay, yeah. I actually went back and watched Child's Play 1 again uh, not that long ago. I had seen all of those. I remember as like a teenager, I was like, I don't know, 15 or something. Like, I remember Marathon watching, like, the first three. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might have been all that existed at that point. But, the, um, but like, I went back and rewatched the first one not that long ago, and I think that actually really holds up, like, because it's uh, for for so much of that first one, other than the voodoo curse scene, I think, <laughs> uh, which I guess might fall into the category of things you could have a discussion about what you can do today. But, the uh, but like... But other than that, for so much of that movie, you don't quite know whether any of this is even really happening. Yeah. Like it's all off screen and there's like it's 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 so much creepier because of the way that they play with that ambiguity about, you know, about whether it's uh, about whether it's real. And it's like a very like effectively done thing. It's kind of funny to go back and watch that again and think about it in that way, because it's like. You know, you think about those, like, especially, like, the later Chucky movies are, like, so over-the-top and cartoonish. So, they're, but they're fun. Sure, yeah, no, yes. They're, they're supposed to be fun. I think they okay. I think they get it by the time they get to, like, two and three. Uh, here's a movie that I don't know if you've seen. I'd be very shocked if you've seen this. Uh, and I'd also be very shocked if the viewing audience has seen this. I used to have a poster of this in my room. The Guardian, a William Friedkin movie. 1990. I have not seen that now. A young couple with a newborn baby don't realize that the nanny they hired is a magical nymph who sacrifices infants to an evil tree. Sure. <laughs> uh, Gremlins no. 2, the new batch. You admitted that you, you were a fan of Gremlins yeah, 2. Yeah, no, I love, love Gremlins 2, yeah. Um, here's a movie that no one talks about in the 1990, The Night of the Living Dead remake. Comes out in 1990. Not only have I never seen that, but I'm not sure that I totally knew that that existed. <laughs> Check that out. Let me know what you think. Um, here's mean, a movie. It just seems like such a desecration to do a remake of that movie. It's a remake, and yeah, it's like it's like why, why would you do that? You know, that's that's uh, I don't know. I, I believe I it's a scene for scene remake as well. Um, well, that's even more pointless. Like, what, what's the like, like seriously? Just, just, just show the original one again. Like, you, you know what? Theater, you can just if, do that. You know what, Ben? You never cashed in on an IP. <laughs> Somebody. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Three, Leatherface. Okay. Uh, didn't care for it, and that's all over the place. Here's a movie that you've seen. That I refuse to watch. I think I tried to watch this movie once, and I was like, I can't watch it because if this guy killed all the buffest dudes in the world, there's no way Danny Glover is gonna stand a chance. Predator Two. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know what? I actually haven't. Um, I have, for whatever reason, those movies for the longest time were just not on my radar at all. Like for a long time. 
I think the only Predator movies I'd seen were the Alien versus Predator movies. Okay, all right, uh, that's fair. But uh, but I actually went back. I shouldn't say go back, but I'd never seen it before. Like I I told several people this, including you. Mm. This back when I was still living in Atlanta, and and everybody was shocked, right, to hear this because it's like exactly the kind of movie that I would love, and I did. Right. But the original Predator, like I had like the first time I saw the original Predator was like 2022. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whatever. I thought it was fantastic. It's like the uh, it's it is the perfect um, is the perfect synthesis of like, uh, you know, of a of a monster horror movie and like uh, and and uh, and you know, a military, you know, military action movie. I love Predator, but like to this day, all I've seen is the original and then the, a couple of the Alien versus Predator movies. I've seen too many. I've seen so many of those. I don't even know what I understand. I went to the movie theater to see Prometheus. Um, it, of course, comes out in 1990. Here's one I've never seen, and I'd love to know if you original, were viewing it. The original It was good. Prometheus, you said? No, the original It. Oh, the original It is re- yeah, really good. Here's one that I don't I've never seen. Maybe uh, maybe the viewing on it's an Argento movie, Two Evil Eyes. Uh-uh. You seen that? A duo of Edgar Allan Poe adaptations about a greedy wife's attempt to embezzle her dying husband's fortune and a sleazy reporter's adoption of a strange black cat. Two Evil Eyes. I've never seen this. This comes out in 1990. I'm a huge Argento fan. Um Psycho 4 the beginning. <laughs> Why not? I haven't seen I've seen Psycho 4. I I think it was made for TV. Sounds right. Psycho 2 and 3. Well, you, you told me that yeah, 2's the one where he's like trying to be rehabilitated, right? Yes. Yeah. 2 should be called Gaslighting the movie. If you ever want to explain gaslighting to someone, watch Psycho 2. It actually is really really good. And Psycho 3 is a great popcorn movie, an awesome follow-up to 2. If you want to have a great Psycho night, watch the original Psycho, Hitchcock Psycho. Watch Psycho 2, again, starring Anthony Perkins. And then 3, Anthony Perkins wrote and directed 3. So definitely check all those out. Uh, um, Death by Temptation. Have you seen that, Ben? I don't even know what that is. Racist. <laughs> This was also a theme of those old GTA movies. <laughs> if you want to see if your white leftist friend is a racist, just start naming <laughs> random black movies. And if they haven't seen it, then just look at them and go racist. <laughs> Have a laugh track. Yeah. Um, Death by uh, Temptation stars a young Kadeem Hardison, who you may know as Dwayne Wayne from A Different World. Okay. <laughs> and Ben's like, I haven't seen a different world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's seen a different world. Um, and and uh, it's funny. He's got a friend that's like this preacher's kid, and he gets tempted by this demon character. It's it's uh, a fun. It's a trauma movie. Uh, I want to say it's like the only black trauma movie they did. Um, it's called Death by Temptation. It's pretty. It's pretty good. One of my favorite anthology series uh, from the 90s that actually comes out is supposed to be Creepshow 3. It is not uh, Creepshow 3. Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. Oh, yeah. And I think Stephen King wrote some for that. Debbie Harry's in it. 
Christian Slater's in it. Um, who else is in it? Which is, uh, which is, yeah, definitely puts the time period right because it's like I remember we were just talking about Buffy, mm-hmm. and I remember one of uh, one of her lines in that movie when she's trying to resist her destiny as the Vampire Slayer is, you know, look, all I want to do is grow up, you know, go to Europe, marry Christian Slater, and die. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> remember when he was like a heartthrob? Yeah. Who here's remember? Who here saw Gleaming the Cube, the skateboard movie? Ooh, that's a deep cut for you guys. Christian Slater and Gleaming the Cube. If you were a skateboarder or a Ooh. punk back in the day, you probably saw Gleaming the Cube. Uh, Maniac Cop One is an eh movie. Maniac Cop Two is ridiculous, and it has the Maniac Cop rap in it. So watch Maniac Cop 2 just for the rap. Um, of course, Frankenhooker comes out in 1990. We've talked about Exorcist. Here's one of Ben's favorite movies, Tremors. I love Tremors. Comes out in 1990. <laughs> Tremors is uh, Tremors is sort of just an oddly perfect version of the kind of thing it is. I think that's the way to put that. Um, I've never seen this movie. I always wanted to. There's literally nothing stopping me from seeing it now. Other than me being a weirdo, Dark Man. Never seen it. Okay, I think because it had Dark Man in the title. <laughs> Look, I watched Get Out. <laughs> I'm preparing you for your debate. I would have Get Out a third time. I would have watched. Yeah. You're going to go to that debate? Like, I would have read Towards Freedom a fifth time had I had the chance. <laughs> I'm preparing you. Look, you know how cats win these debates? Win a debate. They're going to hit you with the race card. Just Ooh. be prepared. You like like a boxer. You got to <laughs> always keep your hand. Once you drop your defense hand, you are going to get slept with a hook. Don't get slept with the anti-racist hook. A Republican will hit you with the anti-racist hook. You won't be prepared. You're going to sit there dazed, and then that's the clip that goes on the internet. You're going, uh, uh, and then they're like, racist. So just be, (laughs) hands up. (laughs) And that's what a good friend does. Um, I went to the theater to see this film. It scared the shit out of me. I do live in Mexico. Um, Go back, Matt Gilbert in the chat says, I'm not racist. In fact, uh, some of my friends have seen Get Out. (laughs) That's how you have to respond to the guy. (laughs) You should wear wear, uh, a kente cloth shirt. Just like I would be so prepared for any of like I'm I'm ready I'm ready. Be uh be like the uh, William Kunstler in the Boondocks. You know, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> Hold your black girlfriend's hand on the way in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and make sure she's all the way black. Don't come in with no mixed woman. Get a just sure. black. It's like a stovetop. Just make sure she's payphone black. Um. Uh, this show just went down a dark hole. Uh, <laughs> this movie, 
I went to the theater to see it and it scared the hell out of me. And living in Mexico, it continues to scare the hell out of me because spiders here, every so often I will find a spider that is as big as a baby's foot. Uh, arachnophobia. Oh, yeah, I remember that movie. So I didn't know this. Maybe you know this. This movie, all the spiders in this movie are real. There is no CGI. Yeah. And there's scenes where there's all over those real spiders. That was the thing. What you you've never seen arachnophobia, Ben? Oh no, I've seen it. What did you think of it? I remember liking it. Um, I mean, it's not. I don't know that it actually made a huge impression. Like, um, it, I mean, I certainly wouldn't watch it in 1990, but like, I have. Uh, but I. You know, at some point, you know, the the weekly trips to the, you know, the video to go uh, horror section in Lansing, Michigan. I got, I definitely watched Arachnophobia at some point, you know, probably in the 2000s, uh, you know, and, and it's like, yeah, no, I liked it. I thought it was solid. Like it wasn't like it, it wasn't uh, I didn't think it was anything special, but it's like, yeah, that's that's about what I expected from this movie. It's about what I wanted out of it. Oh, it scared the hell out of me. I, I won't watch it again. Okay. I will not watch it again. Any movies with rats or bugs, I can't do because I lived with both those things for so long. I'm like, fuck mm, it. Yeah, um, there's a few foreign films. I'll pass that up. The Gate 2. Trespassers. Not that good of a movie. It's okay. If you're a fan of The Gate, you can watch it. Same director, actually, and actually one of the same kids from the first movie. Stephen Dorff doesn't isn't in it. Um, didn't dig it as much as the first Gate, but I think if you have a younger child, Sean Moon had said, "Don't take kids to horror movies," and I agree with that for the most part. A lot of these movies are just too uh. much. But the Gate is one of those movies that if you have like a younger, maybe even tween. Yeah, really fun movie. Even the claymation, the 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 kind of homage to Harryhausen's claymation, I think, is really good in uh, in a movie like The Gate. Gate yeah. Two. I know. mean, my experience with that stuff is like kind of at the opposite end of the spectrum for you know than you. I mean, I'm pretty sure that that uh, 1992 Buffy the Vampire movie was uh, like a, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie was about as scary as I was allowed to watch as a kid. You know. <laughs> No, like I said, I was left alone. My mom worked nights and she was off living her life and I was left alone with some pirated cable and and uh, a lot of time on my hands. Um so in between reading true crime and Yados in the chat says Ratatouille is body horror for good. <laughs> Yanos, look, you are yes, you don't understand how big those rats were. Ben'll tell you this. I leave a light on in my house. It's true. Because I'm terrified of noises. And I'm pr- we're pretty good about rodents out here. Yeah, you rodents are to yeah. like I mean rodents are one of the few things that's not an issue there like the uh the you know giant spiders check uh like scorpions check. Scorpions check. Um there is you know Roving packs of stray dogs. Check. Uh, the occasional. I was telling somebody last night. Um, went to our our friend Nando was having drinks for his birthday, and so I was like kind of interested. I was like talking to a lot of people from other worlds that he's in that are not, you know, kind of have to do a long explanation of how I know him or what I do, you know. But, uh, 
you know, but I was like telling one of these people about living in Rosarito and, you know, it's like, yeah, like I would literally be out walking my dog and I just like, there'd be like a horse standing in the middle of this yeah. the road. And it's like, I literally don't know whether this horse belongs to somebody or it's a wild horse. <laughs> there was two, there was two horses the other day and I feel like they've been following me, so I've been recording them, yelling at them while I'm recording them, kind of like a what do you, you people say, Karen? Uh, you know, one of those people that wants to complain to the manager, and I'm like recording. Really? I was like, I see you horses, <laughs> I see you, and they like look back at me like fuck that motherfucker's back, and then they like walk away because I don't know what they want. And horses scare the shit out of me. They can kick the fuck out of you. Yeah. And this is this some like there's some ghetto ass dogs out here. There's some ghetto ass horses out here as well. So, Ben's there's weird shit. Also, uh, also if anybody ever wanted to to uh, to set a horror movie there, the the number of times that I've been out and about in Rosarito, I've like walked down the beach at like night when there's been all kinds of fog, and there are just random brass bands playing for like three people. <laughs> in the middle of the beach at night. I'm like, what? what what's going on here? What's yeah, there's no one there. You're like, who the fuck are you playing for? <laughs> like, it's band practice. Okay. Are you real? Yeah, exactly. You sure you're not the ghost of some brass band <laughs> in the 40s? <laughs> I was thinking, because, you know, there's definitely aspects of living out here that Ben did not appreciate that most people don't appreciate. And one of those aspects is when the water gets shut off and when they throttle your water. Yeah. I, I liked, I, I like Rosarito a lot. I'm actually going to go down to visit sometime very soon. I hope, but like the, uh, but yes, the, the random, uh, the random water and electricity shutoffs. Uh, I definitely did not love, uh, just how often that happened and uh, how unpredictable it was. was like, I have PTSD every time I turn the water on because you get too comfortable. You're like, it's going to, it's going to shut off. And uh, exactly. I, I texted Ben like a half hour beforehand. I'm like, you know, it took me a while to get the script and stuff down for the show. And I finally got it down and I send it over. I'm like, I'm about to get in the shower right now. See you in a little bit. And mm-hmm. as soon as I turn the water on, it's that thing where they throttle the water and it feels oh, like, you know, yeah. Two like Mexican guys peeing on you. <laughs> well, I'll take your word for it. I have to say it, but, uh... I was like, God. All I could think about was like, yeah, this is literally what like Ben was like, yeah, I'm not gonna stay. <laughs> like that was the moment. It was like, I'm not renewing this lease. <laughs> I knew that's what... like, why'd you leave? Uh, you ever been peed on by two uh, <laughs> by two Latin fellas? That's what it's like taking a shower out there. I like that your impression of me just now was like, it wasn't all the way there, but it was like 10% of the way to Norm Finkelstein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Someone said, oh, you're Jewish. Oh, Derek Varn told me last night. That I have to stop. Or Thursday night, I have to stop doing uh, <laughs> the anti anti Semitic. Uh, I mean, good luck with that, Derek. I don't think <laughs> uh, I don't think that's gonna happen. Um, <laughs> Not at all. Yeah. Um, uh, here's another movie that you have to see if you haven't seen it. From someone I actually call a friend, 
Blue Diamond Phillips, okay. The First Power. Okay, I haven't seen it. You haven't seen The First Power? Nope. A dedicated L.A. police detective and a female psychic must stop a demonic serial killer who is given the powers of resurrection, teleportation, and possession. <laughs> yep, that is, a, that is a 1990 movie. If I <laughs> That's a good movie. Uh, here's a movie that I never watched, but I did watch Mary Shelley's Frankenstein that comes out in the 90s. Frankenstein Unbound. I never watched that. Yeah. Did uh, anyone see? John Hurt is in it. Raul Julia, Bridget Fonda. It's a Roger Corman film. It's like, uh, you know, it was a movie from the, uh, from 91. I just looked up when it was from. That's like, um, that description you just gave was like reminding me a little bit of like some movies in this era is uh dead again you remember that yes yeah yes i do remember that <laughs> i would i don't know if i would call this horror i guess it's horror well again not okay. sort of not really like it's like a but you were yeah here's a movie that maybe you saw definitely didn't see in 1990 but you probably saw it after the fact. Uh, um, kind of an all-star cast. It kind of sets the tone for what we're going to see in the later 90s with let's take the hot, young uh, stars of the of the day uh-huh. and put them in a film. It didn't hit, considering the star power in this film, directed by Joel Schumacher. I'm going to tell you who it's starring. Kiefer Sutherland. This is in 1990. Kiefer Sutherland, Kevin Bacon, Julia Roberts and Billy Baldwin. Okay. What is it? Flatliners. No. Yeah. Not too many people. It, it, was, a, it was a huge... It didn't hit. It did not hit. Um, I think they figured out how to do the, the whole we're going to put all the pretty people in a movie uh, in, in the 90s. Um Silent Night, sure. Deadly Night 4 comes out in uh, <laughs> 1990. Sure. Uh, that that's awesome. They, they got up to... Okay, yep. Um, Slumber Party Massacre 3 comes out in 1990. Yep, yep, um, yep. That's kind of... 1990s is like kind of the time for a lot of... Uh, a lot of... Oh, my God. They made four of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've never seen this movie. Here's yeah. a movie I've never seen. It, it's a foreign film. It's a French film. I've never seen it. Maybe people watching have seen it. It's called Baby Blood. When a strange creature crawls into a woman's uterus, she becomes a killer in order to feed the tiny terror growing within her. <laughs> Haven't seen it, but sold. I want to watch this movie now. <laughs> Can we watch this movie? Is it possible? Oh. I got to find out. Uh, here's a movie that did not need to be made. I enjoyed the first prom night. <laughs> it's not a great film. Oh. It's just one of those like, eh, it's cool. Sure. Um, prom night two. Definitely didn't really dig prom night two. I had no idea they made a prom night three. The last kiss. So if you've ever seen Prom Night, there was no I'm Mary Lou. Prom Night, the original. I mean, I haven't yeah. seen any of the rest of this shit. There, there's no, there's no Mary Lou in the first Prom Night. So Prom Night Two, 
Hello Mary Lou. They just made it all up. <laughs> There's no fucking uh, Mary Lou in the first. The, I can't think of the woman that would die. That was the prom queen. So, I mean, I will say one thing that just occurred to me is not in 1990, but in the era that we're talking about today overall, uh, on the subject of movies with all-star casts, uh, in 1992, there is a movie that uh, I am a massive fan of. I love this movie. I know a lot of people probably have a lot of different feelings about it, which is the uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm-hmm. Uh, what year is that? That's that's further down. That is, yeah, that's ninety two. I just looked it up. Um, we're still in nineteen ninety. Slow down. I've uh, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, man. I haven't seen, I haven't seen, uh, you know, Slumber Party Massacre Part Fifteen. You know, like I, I, I wish I could help you out here, but you know, I never got around <laughs> to that. <laughs> Have you seen? Okay, here's a movie. Okay, we won't do that one won't do that one no one saw that movie um because you have to kind of keep it within like what movies have people actually seen mm. like maniac nurses find ecstasy i'm going to assume most people haven't seen that oh i mean you haven't seen the maniac nurses find ecstasy poster in my apartment <laughs> Did i put that up after you guys came <laughs> well, no one's seen i bought a vampire motorcycle like no <laughs> no these are real films. These are real films. Yeah, I uh, I want to know what the theatrical release was on I I bought a vampire motorcycle. Uh, it's 101 minutes. Uh, it's when a motorbike gang kills an occultist. The evil spirit he was summoning inhabits a damaged bike. The bike is then bought and restored, but reveals its true nature when it tries to exact. Full summary. Oh Jesus. Jesus, get hit with pop-ups. Uh, vengeance on the gang and anyone else who gets in its way. Really, I had to do that all for that one line. But yeah, that's what I bought a vampire motorcycle is about. So we have to find that movie and watch it. Um, it's really five out of five out of ten. Five point five out of ten. I'm gonna watch the whole movie, but if uh, if if Brandon Tennell does like a. 20 minute thing about it i'll watch that <laughs> um one of my favorite series comes out in 1989 but definitely kicks into high gear in the 90s which is tales from the crypt yes and you didn't see that until you came over here right i didn't know i uh i remember yeah because you had it on in rosarito i was like oh what is this kind of remind me of creep show like that was my you know yeah i I mean, I kind of, you know, I mean, I knew what it was or whatever, like, but like I, I hadn't, like I, you know, I hadn't seen it before. Um, another anthology movie that I actually really liked back in the day, um, it's like a horror western, which sounds a little strange. Grim Prairie Tales. Okay. I'm gonna he, starring James Earl Jones. No shit. Brad Dorif, who you guys may know as the voice of Chucky. Um. It's only 86 minutes. It's a fun anthology. Check that out. Um, I'm going to assume you never saw Daughters of Darkness. No. That's who you need to go to that. Fucking debate. Um, Hellgate. You ever seen Hellgate? Uh, Fred not. No. Uh, a motorcycle gang kidnaps a young woman, Josie, from a diner and brutally kills her. Many years later, the girl's father finds a magic crystal that can bring the dead back to life and uses it to exact revenge. 
I mean, this is, I mean, at this point, this is like, uh, you know, we're talking about movie, we get a music for the seven days, you know, it's like, <laughs> Like I'm, I'm not really on here to talk about Zeppelin, and it's like it's like okay, I'm gonna go through uh, every single item in the top 40 chart from. Uh, <laughs> have, you, have you have you seen uh, uh, have you seen uh, have you listened to Black Coffee's single "Good Enough for AM Radio"? Uh, no, no, okay. You know, have, have you, uh, you know, have you, uh, have you listened uh, to, uh, to um, Humble Pies, you know, 19, uh, 1972 um, chart topper, uh, forgettable guitar riffs? Uh, <laughs> Like, I don't know. No, that, that never, you know, Spotify never recommended that one. No, well, that's how you know you're not a real L.A. person, because if you're a real L.A. person, you'd be pulling out like, this is a fucking humble pie deep cut. Someone says Jason's listing off movies that don't even have a Wikipedia <laughs> Ben can attest to this. If you know me, those Ooh. are the movies I look for first. If you don't have a Wikipedia page and I could find you, I'm watching it. Here's a movie I recently watched, and I thought, this is a pretty good movie. Pale Blood. You ever seen it? Uh-uh. Uh, Wings Hauser is in it, and I do kind of like anything with Wings Hauser. Wings Hauser and Diana Frank. Uh, they're people that you may not know their name, but if you see them, you're like, that guy. A vampire arrives in Los Angeles to investigate a recent series of murders which bear the hallmarks of vampire attacks. Wanting to track down the murderer, he hires a private investigator who herself is obsessed with vampire mythology. Pale Blood. Check it out. It is a fun watch. I, I would, from the description, that's actually a movie I would watch. Um, yes, yes, yes. You are going to have to hold off on the GTA breakdown of Can Heat's discography. <laughs> 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 We're talking about nothing but bread B-sides today. Bread <laughs> B-sides. Yeah. I would, you know what's funny? If I just did a show talking about B-sides of, of classic AM gold mm. music, I'd probably actually make a lot more money. Probably, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I would, you know, what... Yeah, no, when you, uh, yeah, you did your, uh, the, you did your Jason Miles, uh, B-side hour, uh, LA live show. Like I would, I, I, I really like, uh, the people who would show up to that. <laughs> We'd sell that room. I'd be standing room only. <laughs> like, you guys want to talk politics? Boo! There's so much going on the boo. We want to hear more about Crosby, Stills, and Nash. <laughs> Fuck, okay. Ooh. So Ben, Ben, I believe you're coming with me up north to do the, do the book launch, right? Yep. 
we are going to be doing this book launch. And just to kind of give you guys, you know, more plugging of stuff Ben and I are doing outside of this podcast world, it's going to be in a space where my friend Greg does his guitar stuff. And he has all these guitars from Gary Holt from Slayer stuff, Rob Flynn from Machine Head stuff. He's got a Tim Armstrong guitar hanging on the wall. And these are all stuff he fixes for people. And that's why we have so many people coming in that are going to be speaking on this, this fun panel. And we're trying to, after I get off with Ben, actually Greg and I are going to have a talk kind of narrowing down who's all going to be there. We know for sure we got Chris Contos from Machine Head and Forbidden and an Attitude Adjustment. Rick Hanolt, the original guitar player for Exodus, um, is, is going to be there. And there's some more names that we, we can't confirm just yet. And uh, I know a lot of that people that are going to come to that are probably going to be like gearheads. And most of the Q&A is going to be about what pedal <laughs> did you use on toxic waltz to get that crunch tone? So I'm, I'm excited and not excited for, for all the gear talk since I am surprisingly not really a gearhead. Here's a movie that comes out in 1991 that I went to the theater to see that I know Ben has seen probably multiple times. I will not call it a horror movie, and I think it's a huge 180-degree turn from the first one, Terminator 2. Yeah. Yeah, I I would – yes, both of those things are true. Uh, I mean, look, I really enjoy Terminator 2. Um, I actually watched that again not that long ago, uh, like I think last year maybe. Um, and look, it's a very fun movie. It's, there's a reason why it's so beloved, but uh, – Again, I think that there's a certain analogy between Terminator versus Terminator 2 and Nightmare on Elm Street versus Nightmare on Elm Street 3 uh, that, you know, the Terminator 2 and Dream Warriors are both movies that lots of people say are better than the first, that in both cases that seems kind of crazy to me, but um, I think it makes sense when you realize, like I said earlier, that what they're responding to is the optimism. Right, that, mm. the, that the original movies are are so bleak, right? You know, and um, you know, I mean, the Terminator is uh, actually, you know, yeah, the um, the most uh, uh, the most um, the most read thing I ever read read on the Substack was about time travel movies. That was like uh, <laughs> like twenty thousand people or something. That was but, the most but, views you got too. Yeah, well, yeah, my yeah. channel you did the show on that yeah yeah, um, yeah it was uh you know but like number one you know terminator one was a uh yeah in a lot of ways as we discussed it has the, the rhythms of a slasher movie uh and it's all but like crucially it's a it's a internally consistent time travel movie you can't change anything uh because you know, by definition, if somebody's traveling into the past, it already happened. So what are you talking about? How can you change it? Like your whatever you did in the past that affects the present already happened. That always drove me crazy. Uh, but uh, in but because of that, right? It's like relatively bleak, right? I mean, it's like yeah, look, this is gonna happen, right? The the Skynet, you know, apocalypse is is just gonna happen. It's this is this is set, um, and you know, so that's why that. Uh, amazing although supremely cheesy scene at the end of the first terminator 
where uh, she was at a gas station in Mexico, and they're so worried that people won't get that she's in Mexico that there's like a pinata hanging. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's some like chickens walking around. Like, you get this is Mexico, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and there's no gas stations that I've been to that look like that, by the way. No, no, no. no, no not even a little stations. bit. Uh, uh, yeah, gas stations in Mexico, in my experience, look exactly like gas stations in the United States. Pretty much. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, it's, um, but that, that, you know, the storm is coming saying at the end of, um, at the end of Terminator, right. It's all about the sort of inevitability of, you know, I mean, look, you're going to prepare for it. At least, you know, at least you survived long enough. You're going to have John Connor, but like, um, but the actual apocalypse is not avoidable. Whereas I think like, Terminator two, I think what a lot of people like about it is like, Oh no, it is avoidable. It's cool. <laughs> don't worry about it <laughs> you know and it's like the same thing as with dream warriors right that it's like uh it's like i think a lot of what people responded to is like no, no no it's cool this you know we can like actually get together and kick his ass together yeah exactly the power of uh comradeship here's a movie that ben watched while he was down here not with me popcorn comes out in 1991 yeah i don't I don't know what I think about popcorn. <laughs> it's it's a watchable Sunday horror film. Don't try to read too much into it. That's how I look at popcorn. Fair enough. Um, Pit and the Pendulum comes out in 1991. Yeah, a few movies we've already talked about are 91. Uh, <laughs> Freddy's Dead is Freddy's Dead is 91. Yeah. Cape Fear. Uh, is 91 silence of the lambs is uh is 91 uh people under the stairs is 91 mm-hmm. naked lunch did you watch naked lunch i've never seen I naked did lunch. watch naked lunch you should watch naked lunch it's i want to watch naked lunch it looks good um that's it 1991 um, yeah let's see here it's a very uh that's like it's kind of that's kind of like that and video drama kind of like maximum cronenberg um there's a lot of horrible films that come out in 91. Here's one I've never seen, but I heard it's pretty good. Sometimes they come back. It was one of those Stephen King TV movies. Yeah, I feel like I probably watch Sometimes They Come Back like on like VHS in 1999. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like it was one of those movies. And... Um, you know, it's like it's one of those things that it's like, hey, Stephen King thing. Uh, you know, I'm gonna like on my way home from work, I'm gonna like stop and uh, you know stop and pick up a uh, you know a, a DVD to read. A, sorry, DVD. What am I talking about? VHS, right? To there you uh, go traveling through time again. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, no, I did not have this technology. But, uh, yeah, the. Um, you know, I'm going to pick up like a VHS rental and like stop at the, you know, yeah, this is again, you know, during my two years living in Pittsburgh, you know, I was going to stop and the stop at the like, uh, you know, that like, um, you know, kosher pizza place in Squirrel Hill on my way home and, uh, you know, pick up, uh, you know, pick up a cheese pizza and get the, uh, and, uh, and get a VHS and, uh, and, and go home and enjoy it. And, you know, I did and I enjoyed it, but it's like, it's not, it's like, I, my memory of that movie is like one and a half scenes. 
like when we talk about stuff that's sequeled out at the in the beginning of the 90s where there's this kind of weird we can make our money going straight to video because we haven't got the blow up of blockbusters yet there's still you know gajillions of dollars these guys are making in the mom and pop uh realm of, of movies yeah it is so crazy that we've traveled so far from that that now mm. it's nostalgic for blockbuster which is I'm not so much as nostalgic for Blockbuster as I am for neighborhood video stores because I oh, I was that kid and I don't know if you guys were the same way. I would love the posters and they would get them free. And there was this one video store my mom would go to because you know they get the promotional stuff. And they they would just see me look at the posters and remember one day I was I couldn't have been more than like nine or ten and one day I remember the lady saying, Do you want one of these? I was like, yeah. So every time we would go get, get movies from there, they would look in the back to see if there's any posters I wanted, and they would nice. give me the posters. Blockbuster's never going to do that. They're never going to give you end cap displays like that. And these people would give me like end cap displays and fun stuff like that. So I, I miss that kind of relationship that you can have with with smaller businesses that aren't kind of you know beholden to you know corporate mandates and. Again, that's a whole different show you want to get into about horror, I think. Oh, no, uh, but but totally right. I mean, it's like, look, I, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, um, I mean, I miss Blockbuster to a certain extent just because, like, you know, I have fond memories of the era when Blockbuster had already eaten everything, and I still, <laughs> uh, you know, but I still enjoyed going out to rent movies. Um, but it's like that's a sort of very degenerate nostalgia because it's like. Uh, it's like what I'm what I'm missing at that point is the already thoroughly homogenized thing mm-hmm. that had replaced the thing I actually liked, but it was still better than not having anything. Do you remember <laughs> waiting at Blockbuster? Is anybody watching or listening to this remember waiting at Blockbuster for someone to return a movie? You'd be like, when is blah 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 coming in? There was that there was always the new really, and you'd sit there and wait. And then Blockbuster, if you remember, stayed up until midnight. Yeah. No, so you I, wait all I mean, night. What I, to bring you know, back. what I really miss is, as I said, that uh, video store that I've already mentioned a few times in this discussion, Video to Go, and uh, the Frandor Shopping Center in Lansing, Michigan. Uh, that is that place was awesome, and and actually it lasted way longer than you would think. Like most of the mom and pop video stores were gone like years before Video to Go finally closed down. But um, but yeah, like it's not. Um, I mean, I do miss the experience on a basic level, right? I mean, so, um, you know, there's, the, look, um, there's a essay with an awesome title by Freddie DeBoer that I really liked from several months ago called uh, It's So Sad When Old People Romanticize Their Past. Also, the 1990s were objectively the best time to be alive. And, uh, and, you know, but like some of the stuff he talks about in that essay that I really vibe with is like, yeah, look, there is something, um, you know, it's like he talks about how, like, just the experience of going to, like, uh, going to, like, a record store, like, uh, you know, like, even if it was, again, like, Blockbuster, even if it was Tower Records or whatever, you know, that, like, uh, just that, you know, this is before you had the permanent distraction device in your pocket, you know, and you were just going and all you were doing is looking through the CDs and like listening to music that while you were there, this was just music time. There was no mm-hmm. multitasking. There was nothing else going on in your head. And similarly, like just the experience of getting movies that way 
it's like, look, obviously I'm not blind to the fact that there are advantages to the fact that other than some of the movies uh, mm. that you like, other than that, everything else is like at my fingertips at all times. Right. There's like something that's good about that, but like, it's also so disposable, right? It's like, it's mm. like, yeah, you have a, you know, you can so easily be like, oh, I'm going to watch a movie tonight. And what you end up doing is you spend like two hours, like browsing and watching previews. And then you're like, you know what? I'm too tired to watch a movie tonight. Yep. And you know, or like you start watching something that's like 10 minutes in, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like you, you, can around. you can watch it whenever you want to. Uh, whereas when it was like a, the special trip you made to the special place just to pick a movie that you were going to watch right then and you were wasting your money if you didn't watch it in uh, the next couple days, um, it, it was, uh, I don't know. I think the quality of the experience is actually different and better. I try to, I try to get some of that back with movie night. It's hard. I, yeah. I think moving forward in the future you know i'll definitely be screening kayfabe when we're finished with it mm-hmm. um because of some family stuff i wasn't able to go up to do some of the final edits um but i do like to do i would love to do a movie night in real life where we just all watch a movie together somewhere oh know? my god yeah. I mean, we talked about trying to do something for halloween Ben. maybe that's what we do maybe we yeah. find a spot where we could just all watch a movie um yeah. i don't know who would be down to do that we'll we'll find somewhere we'll all watch a, a fun halloween movie i think this movie might be something we Ooh, can watch like uh nudist colony of the dead i've never seen <laughs> i've never seen nudist colony of the dead zombie nudists attack campers five years after the closure of the sunny buttocks nudist colony in various musical numbers this is a real film and it's got a solid four stars it's not 4.2 it's a solid four stars nudist colony of the dead i've never seen uh nor have i we'll we'll vote we'll vote on it um yeah no but i I actually do i don't know about nudist colony of the dead but yeah i do i do uh i do like that idea a lot actually uh if um if we could do, um, yeah, come up here. We could do, um, yeah. But if we could find a place that we could do this, that would also, um, you know, and like ideally people could also drink and like have, uh, yeah. No, I think that could be, I think that could be really fun. Like, like not, you know, just a, just a little impromptu, you know. Nobody has to buy a ticket or anything. Yeah. We're, just, we're just like, hey, guys, you know, make sure we announce at least a few days in advance. We're going to be at this place doing this thing. Or maybe there's even like, depending on where it is, maybe there's even like an RSVP link just so people can get directions. But, yeah, that's uh, that'd be good. Uh, if you are a fan of the Child's Play movie and series, there's a re- not a remake, but like a bootleg knockoff. There wasn't too many, I feel like, bootleg child's play knockoffs. Um, Dolly Dearest. Have you ever seen Dolly Dearest, Ben? I've not seen Dolly Dearest, no. Denise Crosby's in Dolly Dearest and Rip Torn. You know Denise Crosby because you're a Star Trek fan. Mm-hmm. Um, a toy manufacturer buys the Dolly Dearest factory in Mexico. 
where the malevolent spirit of Sanzia, a devil child, has taken refuge in one of the porcelain dolls and eventually takes control of his daughter. Dun dun dun. Yeah. That's a it's a fun watch. This is this is a ninety one. This is ninety one. Highway to Hell is a good movie. It's a fun movie. Uh, an eloping bride is taken to hell and her fiance must pursue. Starring uh, Chad Lowe, Christy Swanson, Patrick Bergen, Ben Stiller makes a cameo in Highway to Hell. That's a fun movie. Um, you've never seen that? Okay, I've been pretty sure Ben's never seen Alligator 2. No. <laughs> what was the other movie you said that you were pretty sure I hadn't seen? Uh, I mean, I'm sure you're right. I'm just curious. I don't. I don't know. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm going through so many right now. I'm trying to get to 92. There's so much that came well, out. Well, let's let's talk about let's talk about 92, right? Because because uh, oh, here we go. We're finally in 92. Okay. Here yeah, right. like I I'm looking at 92. <laughs> We've got uh, Sleepwalkers, Lawnmower Man. Lawnmower Man. What did you think of Lawnmower Man? It's been too long. Uh, I have to I have to go. I have to watch Lawnmower Man again. Lawnmower Man is C, is the new CGI. It's very 1992, where the internet is going to be a magical place that we can all live in. <laughs> kind of we do, kind of we do right? The early 90s, yeah. Uh, ooh, ooh, Army of Darkness. Army of Darkness. We're we're in the same list now. I think we're on the same page. Candyman is 92, Army of Darkness. That's a great... I watched Army of Darkness on tour in the UK in the smallest little apartment in London, and it was the, one of the most fun times I had watching yeah, a, a goofy it's movie. My, so my, uh, my cat's named Ash. Uh, That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wouldn't necessarily think of this as a horror movie, although it's an interesting question whether and why, but I'm also saying Death Becomes Her on here. Death Becomes Her keeps showing up on this list, and I'm like, I'm, I'm good with it, because comedy horror is like a thing yeah. now. We didn't we didn't think of it back then. Pet Cemetery 2, okay. which I did not like, is 1992. Yeah, I certainly watched the original Pet Cemetery. I don't think it would have, if I knew that there was a Pet Cemetery 2, I don't think it would have occurred to me to watch it. Um... There's a, uh, I know now there's like the, some streaming service keeps showing it to me. It's like, being like, eh, eh you want to watch this? There's like a, <laughs> there's like a, a pet cemetery prequel now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And you're like, well, I, no, just stop. Stop. <laughs> no streaming service. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> talk to the streaming service. <laughs> oh my God. Like they're a sex pest. Yeah. Um, uh, here's one. I've never seen this movie and I kind of want to see it. It's called Innocent Blood. It comes out okay. in 1992. Marie is a vampire with a thirst for bad guys when she fails. <laughs> like that right there? <laughs> I don't understand how that works. <laughs> but I have to see this movie sure. now. Can you just imagine her like bitching to her vampire friends? Like, I don't know why I can never meet a guy. <laughs> Every time I turn them, they leave. Uh, when she fails to properly dispose of one of her victims, a violent mob boss, she bites off more than she can chew and faces a new immortal danger. Okay. Robert Loja is in this. John Landis directed it. Okay. 
Anthony LaPaglia is, is in it. We have to see this. Innocent Blood. I've never heard of this movie. Have you, have you ever heard of this movie? Uh-uh. Here's a movie you heard of that I refuse to watch, Alien 3. Yeah, I've seen it. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, I don't know. Um, it doesn't really do that much for me. I mean, the uh, the first two, each in their own very different ways, are kind of perfect. Um, the uh, By the time you get to three, it's like, all right, I guess they're just going to keep making these. Uh, speaking of shitty shitty fucking sequels you know we own the name let's keep barfing out movies amityville 1992 it's about time <laughs> it's about time for what sure it's about time for this shit to end <laughs> fucking like that was really guys yeah. um, i mean even the original amityville i i don't know i mean this might just be Again, I don't, I don't know if like you know, I would have responded more to it if somebody had put the fear of the devil in me as a child. But uh, like, it just doesn't, you know, like, uh, you know, a scary movie about the devil to me is like Rosemary's Baby because it's yeah. not about the devil; it's about having your sense of reality fucked with. Yeah. Um, like all of this, like you know, or I don't know. I mean. Like, I guess, like, the first two Omen movies work for me as, like, a kind of, because uh, they just sort of make, you know, they just kind of make the devil this, like, you know, cartoonish horror movie villain, and that's fine in its own way, you know? <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but, like, there's a certain kind of, like, uh, like I don't know, like, they, there's a certain kind of devil horror movie that, like, you really have to have, I think, some sort of innate, like, religious fear of this for the movie to work for you yeah i also think the first amityville horror is about right the guy that moves into the house that a lot of people believe he made all that shit up right Uh, and the second is their take on what actually happened in the house there was real murders that happened in that house and uh uh, we actually had to have an actress from that movie uh diane franklin was on the show recently okay um she does a nude scene in that Prom night four. There's Why not? prom nights. <laughs> Why? This is so fucking ridiculous. Death becomes her. Okay. The stepfather movies. The first stepfather. Very unsettling to me. Uh, By the time you get to like stepfather three, come on. There's some red flags, ladies, that we're not seeing here. The stab <laughs> wounds in this guy. It's got to be one of them. <laughs> Oh, like, uh, Hellraiser 3, nobody's favorite Hellraiser. Hellraiser movie. 3, is that the one where the guy gets hit with the CD and turns into the CD Hellraiser? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> I th- yeah, that's the worst. <laughs> so horrible. Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. Oh, shit. Okay. That's good. Uh, Children of the Corn 2. I don't remember Children of the Corn 2. I... I kind of remember it, yeah. and and I remember basically having a "What's the point of this movie?" like <laughs> reaction at the end. Like, like I enjoyed Children of the Corn one, you know. It's uh, and uh, also the uh, the South Park adaptation of Children of the Corn is uh, that is a classic South Park episode. They uh, they uh, you know the kids want to go to a concert and their parents won't let them, so. Part- <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, Cartman shows them how they can make all the adults go away by saying the magic M word, uh, molest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like the, they do all the beats from Children of the Corn, you know, with the young couple driving through and the creepy kid, the sacrifice. Dude, and Children they, of the Corn is the first one is okay. Here's a movie I've never seen, and I had no idea they made the sequel to the first one. Um, maybe you've seen this, Ben. Uh, I've never seen Violent Shit. No, I've never seen Violent Shit. And uh, 1992 marks the sequel, Violent Shit 2. Uh, drilled by his deranged mother, Carl the Butcher Jr. takes revenge for the gruesome death of his father. Okay. That is like That kind of sounds like on the level of Christopher Moltisanti's horror movie from The Sopranos. <laughs> Violent shit. I, I'm still in shock. There's a movie called Violent Shit. Uh, here's a movie that has been recommended by people on this show I actually haven't seen. Uh, Fred Olin Ray directs it, starring David Carradine, uh, Dick Miller, Evil Tunes. Evil Tunes, okay. I'm not familiar with these. Uh, Bert has a cleaning company and hires four women to clean an isolated house. They find an old book, a dagger, and a soul shred. And when one of them, Megan, reads an incantation, she unleashes an evil beast in our world. And they're evil cartoons. Evil oh. Tunes. Um, what else do we have? Needful Things, another Stephen King. God, he is just all over the place in the 90s. I know. Now we're in 1993. War, the first Warlock movie is well, good. Well, before, before we do 93, though, uh, I, I really do want to do one last... Uh, 92. You know, one last plug for uh, for Bram Stoker's Dracula. In, uh, is and that 92? That is 1992, Ooh, yeah. Ooh, I don't know why I didn't see that on this list. Uh, Yeah, yeah. It's a... Uh, I saw... Saw it on here earlier, um, but uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's an it is it is such it is such a ridiculously uh, fun movie. It's um, like even though they uh, they add this, um, you know, even though they add the romance subplot, it's like uh, it it's still. It's still actually, it actually feels like the source material in a way that like basically none of the other Dracula movies do. Um, it's, uh, it's just such like, it's this, it's just so like lush and over the top. And even like the, even the goofy ass, like, uh, you know, uh, Anthony Hopkins, uh, uh, Van Helsing, you know, is the, Ah, she is the bitch of the devil. You know, it's, uh, feed me. <laughs> like, uh, it's that is uh, that is that is still that is still to this day an infinitely rewatchable movie for me. Um, California is 1993. Jurassic <laughs> Park is 1993. Also, it comes out before Jurassic Park. People don't know this. Carnosaur. Carnosaur came out. Uh, okay. You know, and Jurassic Park's interesting. I wouldn't have thought of that as a, as a horror movie. Although, you know, I, I guess I could see it. Um, there are, you know, creatures that get loose. And yeah. You know, you can make a case. Um, also 1993 straight to video Amityville, a new generation. In 1992, it was time in 1993. There's a new generation. So again, we're still, we don't know what we want to do, right? We want to just keep 
trying to get as, as many sque- like how much can we squeeze out of this IP that people think is scary? Another anthology movie that comes out in 1993 that you can watch on YouTube that I really enjoy is John Carpenter's Body Bags. There are a lot of, I am just looking at uh, 1993, and for whatever reason, this one is like the most full of movies that I have not fucking seen. Like the rest of these lists, like I'll, I'll, by this point, I would have like, clocked like several things it's like okay i saw that saw that classic whatever it's like this is just full of like i am just trying to find anything that i actually saw from 93 like uh there's um i mean there's leprechaun which i passed by on the uh on the show video stores i never watched leprechaun until one day i randomly had to watch it because by the time i watched it they were already at leprechaun in the hood so like the original came on like, I think regular television and I watched it and I was like, nah, it's a movie. Um, here's a movie that for some reason, maybe because my internet is in Mexico, it's giving me the Spanish title. Cuando llama un extraño otra vez, which is when a stranger calls back. <laughs> sure. Uh, one of my favorite, actually the, the beginning of that movie is one of the scariest things ever. Then it has this huge fucking fall off. Um, there's a lot of horrible movies in the mid 90s now there's uh, like what looks like maybe a 93 what what sounds like probably a cujo ripoff called man's best friend yes here's a movie that i think is still pretty appropriate to the moment we live in now um psycho cop returns <laughs> sure listen to this storyline psychopath cop decides to kill everyone who he thinks has broken the law That's it. All it is is just reality television. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh yeah. Um, there's a movie uh, called Jack Be Nimble. That sounds horrible. And, and like also, especially for like 1993, like this is, um, you know, that. I mean, obviously, cops haven't stopped, you know, killing people and using excessive force and you know doing all horrible things, but like. Uh, I, I think a lot of people forget like how much more bladed that shit was in the early 90s. <laughs> like before camera phones captured everything, people have to remember Rodney King really captured the nation by accident. Yeah, it wasn't a good story. Which was so unusual. It's not like George Floyd that there are like ten people standing there with their yeah. cell phones, right? No. It's like the uh, by and large, you know, I mean, this is an era when, like, Daryl Gates could, like, you know, should be on TV and be like, yeah, yeah, we have to go in and, you know, beat a lot of Negroes this week. What are we going to do? <laughs> like, what did Daryl Gates – Daryl Gates said on national – well, I mean, I guess yeah. it became national news. But he said, with cameras on him, about chokeholds, black people's veins are just different. And that's why they're dying in the back of these police cars. Their 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 veins are different. Their necks are bigger, and uh, that's why they're dying. It's not us. It's them and their big fat Negro veins. Literally said, black people's veins are different, and kept his job. It wasn't until the riots that he lost his job. Like that didn't get him fired. I want people to just for five seconds. We'll go back to your regularly scheduled 
bullshit programming. Just think about this for a second. The police chief, after there was a series of people dying on their way to the hospital from strangulation in the chokehold, which was illegal, I think, in 82, 83 in Los Angeles, came out and said, nah, these guys are just different. He was not able to get ousted until he steps down. And that also had a lot to do with the fact that his son had overdosed around the same time as the riots. Now, it, it is the, the way that people's memories have disappeared just mm-hmm. how just how much worse this was uh, back then, you know, that it's like, I know that like, you know, there's this whole, uh, I mean, some of it's just like whatever, you know, news cycle, people have the memories of fruit flies, but like also, you know, it's like, you know, also there's this like weird commitment in a lot of people's parts uh, in the 2020s to believing that there's been like an exactly even level of racism from the 1600s to present, you know, <laughs> like nothing noticeable has changed, you know, at that time, you know, that's like, uh, it's like, no, no, you go back to like the late 80s, early 90s, uh, it is, it is just amazing uh, how much worse it was, uh, it was at that, at that time, right? I mean, that like you, you have like the culture really has shifted dramatically and in many ways for the better uh, in, uh, in that time. And and it's not like we're talking Jim Crow, Lynch era, South. No. no this this is, is black mayor having Negro filled city council having Los Angeles. And the police chief is saying, hey, uh, I know you guys may think we're a little heavy-handed with you people, but it's just, your ne- you know, your necks and the veins in the neck, a little different. And when we choke the shit out of you guys, uh, you're not falling over the way we need you to, and you are dying in the police car ride to the hospital, it's totally on you, brother. That is not an us problem. It is a you problem. I am done for questions now. I will see you guys at the forum. <laughs> and no one said, I mean, people said stuff. It's, it would sure. be foolish to say that no one yeah, said anything. Yeah, but it was like that's like, the kind of, that's like the kind of thing that at that time that would have been like a concerned editorial of the LA Times that wasn't like a, you know, giant scandal, like everybody's talking about it for a week. Yeah. It's, it, and it just kind of becomes who the guy is. This is the same person. This is the same police department that destroyed someone's home. I mean, literally broke it down to the ground. At one point, police looking for crack empty out all of the food for the children. Because, you know, that's where people hide their crack. Right. You know, when I'm hiding my crack, I always think, oh, we put it in the cereal that I eat. <laughs> That'd be real easy to find when I want to get fucked up later. <laughs> I like a good fucking needle in a haystack chase for my drugs. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like it's like all those uh, 
drug dealers. I feel like we were also hearing about a lot in that era who were making so much money that they would just give shit away for free and Halloween candy. <laughs> you got to check the candy. People put drugs in the candy. Who the fuck puts drugs in their candy? <laughs> What's the, what, what kind of drug dealer is this? They don't like money? Who? It's like, I it's, lived... you, know, you know what? I've got so much. I'm prob- I don't need to sell all of this. right? I'm, I'm what just... are we going to do with all this crack? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Maybe just give it to the kids for Halloween candy. You know, that's, that's not. <laughs> As a person that literally lived across the street from legitimate crack houses, when, when they would raid him, it would look like Benny Hill. Running outside the door in the cops. Never did I think that was the house to hit up for trick-or-treating. And if you've ever been around people that are doing like hard drugs like that, they don't really do a lot of shit other than stay in that house. They don't really yeah. leave that house. So the fact that it's Halloween, the last thing they're going to think is like, oh, shit, we got to get candy. <laughs> what are we going to do when the kids knock on the door? Yeah. Like, it's, it's not it's not how that works. Um, no, no, not even a little bit. Uh... <laughs> Someone says, hey, boss, we got less crack than we had this <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, you know, call me a vulgar Marxist, but I tend to think drug dealers are, you know, motivated by the profit motive. <laughs> Not by just fucking. <laughs> but that was like, the, remember those ads where uh, there'd be a, a drug dealer, like a wolf, and he was <laughs> selling, he was like literally like selling drugs to kids, like a fucking sandwich. But none of them are fucking money. What's the, like, what are you talking about? Like, that's like. What are you gonna get? Like, uh, like, like, what's a child gonna be able to pay you for that crack? It's like they're gonna like just give you the like couple bucks that they had for lunch. Can you imagine instead of in Blow where he's got all the rooms filled with uh, money, it's just filled with Lunchables? Uh. <laughs> I'm the king of the fourth grade drug deal. <laughs> what do you want? You want Lunchables? Help yourself. Take two. Take two, honey. Yeah, you're cute. Take two. Yeah, exactly. Take a fruit cup, too. I like her. Uh, uh, so I wouldn't have thought of this as a horror movie, but I will say, actually, on the list I'm looking at for 93, and it is, I guess, it is, a, at the very least, it is a movie about horror movies, um, is uh, is a movie I actually love very much, which is Matinee. Ooh, wait. Tell me about Matinee, because I feel like I've seen it. Okay. Um Matinee is set during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's um, so yeah, 93 movie. So uh, here I'm just gonna read you the description. Uh, in October 1962, the Cuban Missile Crisis occurs. The menace of uh, nuclear war looms over the American South. Low-budget mm-hmm. filmmaker Lawrence Woolsey, who's played by John Goodman, is in Key West, Florida, de- uh, debuting his new film Mant. Uh, which I think is, I think that, uh, which is like a, a movie, it's like a monster movie about like giant ants, Mm -hmm. uh, and, or people turning into ants or something. It's, uh, and, um, and it's like the joke is he's like, um, like the John Goodman character in that movie, like he has certain features of like Alfred Hitchcock or somebody, but he also has certain features of like what was his name Castle, 
the guys, yeah. yeah, yeah, they who do like the the shaking seats and you know and all that stuff, right? The like there's a gimmick in the movie where people are going in to see Mant and he has them, uh, you know, there's like a nurse's station in case somebody is so frightened by this movie they have a heart attack. That is such know? a William Castle thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And this movie comes out in 93? This movie comes out in 93, yeah. It's so like can a, you send me, is it on Amazon or something? What is it on? I'm sure it's on Amazon, yeah. Uh, can you, Mant? Uh, no, 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 Mant is the movie within the movie. The name of the movie is Matinee. Matinee? Could, yep. would, I be too, would I be too presumptuous to say, could you text me that name, please? I, I will text you that name. Yes. I want to show you guys the difference between Ben Burgess and I. Now, I the movie he describes something i want to see that's why i'm asking him for the name because i want to find it i want to watch it this is a movie that i would want to see i have not seen this but it's on this list the satan killer widowed alcoholic cop teams up with an old private detective to catch a laughing serial killer who rides harleys (laughs) that my friend is the movie i want to see because that movie is going to have some what the fuck in it and that's what i'm always looking for in my horror movies, a movie with a whole bunch of what the fuck? Um, yeah, there's a lot of movies I've never fucking seen. Some of these are foreign. Um, have you seen this movie called Darkness? I don't think so. Uh, a small community is besieged by vampires after he watches friends ravaged by a conven- in a convenience store. A lone Avenger goes off to do battle with the undead, armed with a shotgun chainsaw. Oh my God! Why have we not seen this? Yeah, that is definitely a Jason. Uh, uh, that is definitely a Jason movie. Uh, I might watch that. Um, that's. Uh, it's not. It, it is true though. That would not be what I would seek out uh, to uh, <laughs> to see. Like, I. I, I mean, I, I'm just not gonna like the thing that it's like. Uh, you know, I, I think there's like a kind of movie that you like a lot that's like, you know, you sort of go into it knowing that there's a 95% chance this could be kind of shitty, but it's like, it'll be like, there's probably going to be some crazy stuff and it'll be really funny to tell people about later. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I'm, I'm usually more like, yeah, okay, I, I could watch that. Uh, I could watch something that might be good <laughs> <laughs> i love finding i love much like hiding your crack in a big box of kick cereal uh i like hiding good movies in a big batch of not good ones and then going nah, that's not bad um so again there's some sequels in 1994 now we're getting to the end of the year 1994 the crow the crow comes out in 1994 Oh, shit, yeah. The Crow is a perfect example of what we saw happen recently with Alec Baldwin, um, where uh-huh. a movie studio shoots in a place where there's where there's not union labor. Um, you can overwork the staff. I think they... I think a similar thing happened where a gunnery person got switched out um, and a shot changed in the middle of the movie, they changed the way they were going to do the shot with Brandon Lee. And um, they didn't check to see if the spun round was out of the gun. And there still was a bit of the spun round in there. And sadly, we know the story of Brandon Lee. He passes away on accident in that movie. 
uh, definitely destroyed the man that uh, that was the actor that accidentally uh, shot him. Um, they had to they had to finish the film with his stunt double. This was the movie that was going to push Brandon Lee over the top um, as far as a legitimate actor uh, action star goes. And um, the crow kind of sets the tone for what we're going to see later with movies like Blade and, and even The Matrix um, as far as darker uh, kind of superhero fare. Yeah, um, it's been a long, long time since I've seen The Crow. Uh, that was definitely on VHS whenever I watched that. Um, but yeah, I remember that movie being a big deal at the time. Uh, 94, so after whatever the fuck happened with 93, that like that's like a, you know... It's like, oh, yeah, I vaguely remember the leprechaun, like flipping past the leprechaun and like stacks of DVDs and never watching it. And it's like, other than that, there's like genre ambiguous stuff that's like on the list. It's like the, the you know, 93 list throws in Matinee and Nightmare Before Christmas, right? But like in, uh, but 94, I'm actually seeing a lot of shit I remember. So there's New Nightmare, which we already talked about. New Nightmare, yeah. In the Mouths of Madness, uh, Mouth of Madness, uh, Interview with a Vampire. Uh, there's Phantasm, which I liked. Phantasm two, right? Oh, is that Phantasm two? Yeah, they take quite some oh, time no, to make the sequel. Oh, oh shit, you're right, you're right. Actually, because Phantasm, Phantasm three comes out, which is I wasn't the biggest fan of that, but Phantasm two, I I was a fan of two because that's how I knew about Phantasm. I I was too young to know about Phantasm one. Phantasm two came out and there was kind of a revival of one. So of course I saw one first and then saw two where they change out one of the actors, but then the original young person from two comes back for the rest of the phantasm movies. And of course the Reggie character stays in all the movies. And if I'm not mistaken, Don Coscarelli directed every one phantasm one through four. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I actually, yeah, sorry. I was, that's phantasm three in uh in 94 but yeah it's uh, Phantasm 2 is like in the 90s too though isn't it or is it late 80s probably in the 90s but yeah now I, I had my wires totally crossed there uh but there's also uh the puppet masters the and, puppet uh, master movies yeah all and, 175 of them uh no not puppet master but there's the uh pu- the puppet masters plural that's the uh it's like a uh it's like a body snatchers remake Oh, not the okay. So you're not talking about the Charles Band puppet master. No, no, no. I'm talking okay. about the uh, the. This is the um, uh, Donald Sutherland is in it. It's uh, yeah. It's a. It's in that you know. I mean, like it's funny because it's like there were like four movies that were called Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a remake. The uh, Faculty in '96 or '97. Yeah, yeah, Faculty is '98. Like I, I look, I. You know, it, it might be a little bit like what we were saying about, you know, Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer and, you know, Urban Legends, all that. It's like maybe I just watched it at the right time, but it's like, man, I, I have a lot of nostalgia for the faculty. But, um, but yeah, no, this, so this is a few years before in 94. Uh, there's, uh, there's like a, yeah, it's like it comes after the like however many movies there are because I remember – not that long ago, like a few months ago, Will Maneker did a thing on Chapo where he and uh, Pessa, whoever that guy's uh, had, uh, they watched all of the movies that were actually called Invasion of the Body Snatchers. <laughs> uh, which, like, again, it's like they, that movie was remade like a few times. A few but, times. Like, IPs. 
<laughs> and I cash in on an IP. Here's an IP that I didn't know anybody cashed on for a sequel. What is an Alfred Hitchcock movie besides Psycho Ugh. that they made a sequel of probably almost 30 years later? Oh, I don't know. Guess. Just guess. Jesus. Alfred. Popular movie. Oh no, the birds. What's what's Yes. The... <laughs> yes. That the is birds so two. I was trying to think of what they could possibly the, do a sequel of. The birds two lands end. This is the this is the synopsis. Birds go berserk and turn against mankind. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, good job, man. Thanks uh, for that. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Did not see. <laughs> Here's a movie I've never seen. Someone mentioned this in the chat. It, it's a foreign film. It looks pretty. Peter Fonda's in it. Um, it made less than a million dollars at the box office. Nadja, this ultra hip postmodern vampire tale is set in contemporary New York City. Members of a dysfunctional family of vampires are trying to come to terms with each other. <laughs> sure. Why have we not seen this? I don't know, but I'd watch that. I want to see Nadja. Nadja is, we have to find Nadja. There's a movie called Aswang. If anyone is uh, Filipino, my first wife, who I spoke to not too long ago, and I reminded her that she terrified me for the rest of my life with all of her Filipino folk tales about ghosts. Um, and the Aswang is like some sort of folklore legend in the Philippines that is totally frightening but there's like this weird monster with a long tongue that like snatches babies out of the womb it's fucking crazy um <laughs> i didn't know there was a movie about that so i won't be watching that i will not be watching that movie because it's probably too scary yeah um there's a lot of movies in the mid 90s that went straight to video that were too straight to video for me i should say puppet master uh, Puppet Master, the final chapter came out in 94. Uh, now I'm sure they made like 20 after that, but that's because that is how that works. There's a movie, Ben, and I don't know if you know why it's called this. It's called My Sweet Satan. Oh, I don't know the movie, but I actually do know why it's called that. Because that you is. You want to tell uh, people why? Because uh, when you, you play like Zeppelin uh, records backwards, that's one of the things that people, you know, and like if you're primed for it, you do hear it, right? You know, that it's like that one of the lyrics and the played backwards version, my sweet Satan. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which is like, it's one of those things that it's like, it's like the drug dealers and the candy. It's like, it's like, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's like, there's, how, how are they making more money off of like putting this shit in the backwards? I, I just, yeah, I don't get it. Uh, seven. Oh, that's 1995. Okay, we went okay. too far. Too far. Oh, you know what is in 94 that uh, fits in a funny way with some of the trends we were talking about earlier is Serial Mom. Ooh. Is that 94? Yep. 94, dude, is a, is a dark year for, for horror because I'm seeing these movies I've never seen before. The Kingdom? Oh, there's a show. The show in... Okay, Return of the Boogeyman. Never seen Return of the Boogeyman. Uli Lamel directed this. I should have seen Return of the Boogeyman. Uli Lamel directs, I'm probably watching. Um, Yeah, I've never seen My Sweet Satan, but now I kind of want to watch it. 
but 94 seems to be a kind of a down year. Witchcraft 4 comes out. God, they made, or I'm sorry, Witchcraft 6. They made six Witchcraft movies? The cashing in on the IPs in the early 90s, they were just like, come on. There's a few more bucks left in this, right? Oh, so fucking horrible. The Curse of Michael Myers comes out in 95. That's horrible. Horrible movie. Vampire in Brooklyn comes out in 95. Did not like <laughs> that. Sure. Oh, God. There's some just, oh. <laughs> There's so many straight to video. There's Then they're just like, like, how can we just make more, more, more? Yeah, I don't Halloween like, Returns like, of Michael Myers. Oh, uh, God. The Halloween 90s movies were so bad. The, Jesus Christ, Dracula Dead loving it. Uh, <laughs> I remember that. They kept making, they made like seven howling movies. I had no idea. That's so weird. Yeah. Right? I mean, the first is a classic, but yeah, that's. Uh, uh, species. Species is. Uh, I went to the theory, theater to see Species. As you know. So did you I. <laughs> Look, uh, I think we I think we pretty much nailed ninety four to ninety ninety to ninety four. I think we talked about a lot of those films, what we think inspired some of those films, why a lot of those films are forgettable. Um we kind of moved beyond uh gruesome horror and and uh franchise characters for true crime police procedurals, as Ben Bridges puts it, that set us up for the next 1995 yeah. through through 99. The reason, Donald, to answer your question, the reason Jason knows that is that it's a funny story. Since I uh, I saw a species with my grandfather, we because uh, because like we were judging by the two sentences in the newspaper description, and uh, I was like, yeah, sure, you know. <laughs> seems okay for kids what (laughs) (laughs) yep (laughs) so it says what's next 90s rom-coms look bad lefty don't you fucking tempt me with a good time (laughs) you fucking dare oh i will go down a rom-com rabbit hole with you people when i got divorced the first time I watched The Wedding Singer probably every day for three months. Yeah. Uh, Cover your eyes, granddad. That, that sentence, <laughs> but uh, it's like the, uh, uh, you know, I guess I shouldn't name the person, but there was a person that Jason and I met at a cafe in Rosarito who was very funny to me and very funny to talk to, uh, who's been involved in journalistic things we were aware of, but they, uh, uh, <laughs> That was, uh, but like this, this woman like had this, uh, she was just such a like salty older lady character from like a, from an old movie. And like, mm-hmm. and you know, and we were talking about, I was like, why I was down there or whatever. I was talking about getting divorced. She was like, ah, your next one won't be as bad. <laughs> <laughs> By the time you get to the second divorce. Yeah, just, just... <laughs> she was. She was the kind of coolest, uh, <laughs> coolest person. Everything about her was just cool. 
She yeah. looked like Cruella DeVille. She did. <laughs> she was uh, kind of more obnoxious and loud than me and Ben. And uh, she's just fun. She lived a life. She's like, yeah, that's when I was in El Salvador doing journalism. <laughs> and she didn't sound like that at all. I think she was from the South originally. No, no, no. But like, that's, it, captures, that's, that's the, yeah. it captures the spiritual essence of talking to her. Oh, my God. I, I try to run into that crazy woman sometimes because she was so much fun. Yeah. There's something about living free. And the way she talks, it's like you've li- you're free. You are like the freest person I've been around in totally. forever. That isn't, yeah. She just the way she was viewing things, like she she said, "You can look me up if you don't believe me." Ugh. And we did. I did. I don't know if Ben did. I oh, did. You did. You told me. Yeah. And and uh, she, everything she said was true. She she her movie reviews. Some of them were still up. She had reviewed movies for a while, and uh, she shit on a lot of movies. Well, but that was kind of her thing. She was, you know, she was like, yeah, and I I asked them to send me to, you know, El Salvador, and they were like, but, but honey, what about the death squads? And I was like, I don't care. It's better than having to watch another of these goddamn movies. Yeah. (laughs) And we were like, uh. She fucking did. She was down there when there was like crazy death squads, dude. It's it was it was. It's one of those things where people are talking to you and you go you go. She could be full of shit, but her outfit says she's lived a life. No, she that woman that woman definitely lived at least one life. Yes. Um, so the the world is a better place with people like her in it, and and. You know her talk, her journalism stories were fucking nuts. And again, we, I looked it up, and I was sure enough, um, she had all these these stories about you know what was going on, uh, in El Salvador during the Dirty War. She was literally there. She was a, she is what we would call a leftist now, and I don't think she called herself one then. Did she say liberal? What did she say? Uh, I don't think she used like a. I don't think she said liberal. Descriptor, you know exactly. Yeah. But like she, but yeah, no, I agree. I mean, she's like. I think she's somebody who had those instincts uh, very much, um, you know, in that way that like, you know, you're existing at a time when there's no, um, you know, there's just kind of nothing, right? You know, that there's like, that doesn't, you know, I mean, it's like leftism as we think of it now. It's like it, uh, you know, I mean, it barely existed. I mean, you know, you think like even, you know, even in like the mid nineties or whatever, it's like, you know, even somebody like, you know, Alex Coburn is mm. like, what is he, what is he doing, right? I mean, he's writing, you know, he's writing for for the nation where it's like half the people who write there love Bill Clinton. <laughs> but, you know, and, and, and Coburn is there and he's like, just expressing this totally different worldview. Like I always remember him saying about the Unabomber. Uh, I believe this is an exact quote. He's what back in the party we would have called a petty bourgeois individualist. <laughs> <laughs> I know, sadly, there was something that came out about the Unabomber not too long ago, like a documentary, and there were people that were really digging his writing. I remember that. Was that this, Was that last year that thing came out? Did you watch that thing, Ben? No. The, the Unabomber thing? I, I just I just don't 
that is uh, that is to me that is just some weird ideological version of like the chicks who fall in love with serial killers. Uh, oh, we found that word too. Uh, is there was a Belia. What's that? Remember we I looked up. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember you looked it up. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, now of a uh, any. Uh, no, anybody who anybody who idolizes the fucking Unabomber, you know, brings out my inner Stalinist. You know, that's like, uh, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Somebody needs a work camp. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> guess how much more industrial infrastructure we're gonna have now? You're gonna build it. Uh, Yano says the rehabilitation of the Unabomber is such a low ebb in the intellectual history of the 21st century. Yanos hey, is not wrong. Yanos, you're kind of right. And on that note, Ben, thank you so much. Yeah, thank I you. I want to so say this. Two Evil Eyes, this movie from 1990 that neither one of us has seen. Yeah. These are the directors, Dario Argento and George A. Romero. Okay, I'll watch that. Okay, I think we need to check this. Harvey Keitel is in it and and one of my favorite actresses, Adrian Barbeau. All right, kick ass. Uh, uh, I think we have to watch Two Evil Eyes at some point. Um, thank you guys for hanging out with us as we stroll down the end of history memory lane of 1990 to 1994 horror. We will be back tomorrow evening. JG Michael and I will be doing a cross stream where we interview horror filmmaker Brian Yisna. We're going to talk about his nice. class oriented film, uh, Society, and a lot of the other things he did. Because originally, I don't know if you know, JG upped me on this. The original guy that wrote Society was a Republican, and he did not want to make it a movie about class at all. And Yuzna flipped the script on him and and made it a very anti-Reagan uh, nice. morning in America movie. So yeah, this is this is good, man. I've um, I will yeah I will drop the follow up plug. Uh, so again, uh, Sunday, October twenty second, a week from tomorrow. I'd be uh, debating uh, Siaka at the uh, Moroccan Lounge in L.A. Uh, doors 6.30, debate at 7. I will send Jason the ticket link so you can put it in the description. Uh, but, yeah, this, is, uh, this, has been really, this has been really, really good. Like, I have been – I'm not going to lie. Uh, I have current events being what they are and some of the stuff – I've been writing about and thinking about and arguing with people about the last few days that is like kind of the shit that like in some ways one of the like longest standing, like kind of one of the oldest arguments I've been having in my life. Right. You know, I've been, I've been going back and forth with people about this for so long and it's been so grim. I have just spent the last few days just constantly being pissed off. And um, this is a good, uh, I am going to, you know, <laughs> I try to take a day off from being pissed off all the time. So uh, this was perfect. Let's take a day off from being pissed off, people. Regroup and really think about why certain protest movements of the past that were massively large did not do anything. The largest protest this country has ever known happened during the war in Iraq. And nothing happened. Yeah, I got to have a a very fun. uh, I'm sorry to cut you off. I got to have a very fun uh, evening 
in Oakland with one of the organizers of that protest. And I have a certain feeling about protest. And I, this person's literally done this their whole life. And they came back and said, yeah, it's really not going to do anything. I was, I look, I mean, I, I helped organize, um, the, uh, protest on February 15th, 2003 at the state Capitol in Michigan, which had 4,000 people at it, uh, which is like unprecedented for, you know, a protest at the Michigan state house. Uh, there might've been stuff since then, you know, but like in, uh, but at the, at the time, uh, it felt amazing. Um, I don't, I don't know if there was, I don't know if the combination of that and the stuff happening everywhere else around the planet the largest coordinated protest in human history, uh, mm-hmm. February 15th, 2003. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there was a point, you know, on February 16th where one of Dick Cheney's aides told him uh, while he was drinking his morning coffee and, you know, drawing up his plans to torture people. Uh, I don't know if one of his aides was like, oh, do you know those are the largest coordinated protests in human history? It's like, ah, no shit. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, this is, this is what my friend, I won't say his name. Uh, this is what he said to me. He said, you know, we didn't have, we weren't affiliated with any political parties at the time. And we weren't tied to any workers unions. So yeah. we had no, no labor component to the protest. So we couldn't shut anything down. Really? He goes, we shut down a few ports for a few days, but ultimately that was it. And all power did was wait for us to go home. Yeah. I mean, I think that um, part of the problem is that the goal at that time, like, I just don't know that there's anything could have done. Um, I mean, short of having that, you know, basically short of having an organized working class that didn't really exist and having Mm -hmm. a connection to it that certainly didn't exist. Short of that, uh, so if there was like a fantasy world where everything was totally different and there could have been general strike, like short of that, I don't know that there's anything the anti-war movement could have done to do the immediate goal, which was to stop that from from happening. I mean, like the I think the anti-Vietnam War movement uh, ultimately was somewhat successful, and you know, and, and I think that the um, you know over the course of time as it spread into the army itself and, you know, you had all these soldiers refusing orders and uh, shooting their officers if they insisted too hard uh, that you had uh, enough domestic unrest that that actually, you know, I mean, that actually shows up as a consideration of the Pentagon papers, you know, that it's like, okay, we don't want to, you know, Mm -hmm. we we need to keep some people here, right. To keep a lid on all of this. I think all of that ultimately did end up leading to the war ending sooner than it would have otherwise. But like the time scale to do something like that is just like on a completely different level than mm-hmm. like um, we're going to do something in February, 2003, that's going to get Bush and Cheney not to do this in March, 2003. And that's, you know, this is like the, this is the, you know, I don't, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to start channeling our uh, uh, hospitalized uh, brother, uh, Matt Chrisman here, but like, this is the, you know, this is kind of the, the fundamental tragedy of being really invested in, um, in, in commenting on politics, you know, from, from the left, right. You know, from the Mm -hmm. perspective of fighting for a more humane society that, um, you know, that the, 
that the disconnect uh, between your sense of moral urgency about how bad things are and your actual ability to uh, to to control the situation is the kind of thing that can drive somebody completely crazy. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, again, that's why it's good to have spent the last three hours uh, talking about 1990s horror movies because <laughs> uh, I, I am going to, I'm going to lose my mind if I spend another day, you know, thinking about all of this. Well, don't lose your mind. You have a debate. You have to be ready for the race. The race baiting. You ready for the race baiting? Remember, both hands up. The race baiting. <laughs> Go watch. Don't watch any movies I said watch till after the debate. Go watch all black shit. Be ready. Go watch right, 10 right. episodes of Good Times. <laughs> watch all the Tyler Perry movies. Just be prepared. For any of his, it's gonna be the, uh, you know, it's gonna be a Rocky training montage, yeah. except like I'm just watching like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I'm, I'm Apollo Creed. I'm Apollo Creed yelling at you about how you don't want it. You got soft, Burgess. <laughs> Stop watching black shit. After get out. <laughs> this man is a debate killer. <laughs> He is not afraid to use race as a weapon. <laughs> oh, nice. There's no easy way out. <laughs> Ben's looking in the mirror. Staring <laughs> into the abyss. There's never And the fucking uh, fight scene montage, the training montage music comes on. Um, thank you guys for hanging out with us. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I will be with Ben October 22nd. Um, I'll try to be as quiet as possible. Oh, it, okay. the, the, the last time I did have Cuba with me in the rafters when you're thing in New York and we were talking a gang of shit. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, I will be back, like I said, tomorrow, definitely Tuesday. We have a great show with the author of Dying for Capitalism. Um, so we'll be kind of back to our more regularly scheduled programming. I guess that's what you guys are used to. Someone asked, are they pivoting the show to be something more pop culture? It's like, remember, this show started off. As, I'm a musician. Yeah. I know who the fuck you people think I am. <laughs> but, uh, I, there's not books behind me. It's tour posters. So, um, But don't argue with your friends on the Internet. It's just the fucking Internet. And... There's nothing anyone can do like individually and your moral outrage is bullshit. And all the people that are trying to take advantage of that moral outrage, it enrages, <laughs> it enrages me. And I think that's selling out, um, kind of pandering to, uh, really desperate, upset people. So I'm going to keep doing these streams where no one's watching and we can talk about horror movies and have a good time. Because maybe we need to have a good time for a little bit. And on that note, we are out. <laughs>